No subscriptions, no network, no rules, and at the end of the day, my friends, no comparison. Been all America's back. Uh, it wasn't just a one-off last week. Uh, we had an awesome time with Zelia Edgar, folks. If, uh, if you missed last week's episode, be sure to check that one out. And tonight is going to be an absolute barn burner as well. Uh, what can I say about tonight's guest? Uh, a couple of years ago, uh, as you may be aware, folks, there was this pandemic that started, and it uh, it, uh, it was a frightening and, and, and um, uncertain time for us all. And out of the out of the ether arose our good friend uh, Dr. Tyler Coke, John, and we uh, ended up kind of making a little mini show out of uh, out of the chaos of the early days of the pandemic, uh, as it came to be affectionately known as the Corona Cast. Um, and we ran that throughout 2020, uh, the spring of 2020, for about 10 weeks. Um, then we kind of wrapped it up and came back last year for a one-off sort of reunion reflection on the state of the pandemic, which was still pretty pandemic-y uh, last March. And uh, here I had to bring him in a little bit early because we got March pretty well booked for uh, Banal of America. So I wanted to get him on here tonight to sort of do – a second anniversary look back, um, you know, on this pandemic. And if you're someone who's like pandemic doubt, I can totally, I totally hear you. So, uh, you know, stick around because I don't, I, I don't necessarily, I don't. As I was saying to Tyler before we came on the air, I don't know necessarily if we're gonna, if we're gonna do two hours of pandemic talk. There's lots of other things, uh, you know, that that I want to talk to Tyler about. So that's that's why I didn't sort of build this as a Corona cast. Uh, special. It's more of just like let's get Tyler back on. We'll we'll touch base on this uh, pandemic and and talk about a whole bunch of other stuff and just sort of have a good old fashioned but all of America jam session. So, with all that said, uh, I've been looking forward to this all day. Uh, I never had a co-host really except for that spell a couple of years ago uh, with Tyler, and I absolutely had had an absolute blast uh, co-hosting this show with with him. So. Uh, we became we, we've always been friends. We became really good friends over the course of those those ten weeks or so, and uh, and so I've been really excited about getting him back on the show and and having another good old fashioned chat with my buddy Tyler Cochon. So uh, welcome back to the show, my friend. Hey, thanks, Tim. So uh, it ain't over yet. I'm sorry to say this this pandemic is uh, it's got real staying power, and uh, I would actually tell you that. We talk about the pandemic, 
it might be more appropriate to talk about the sequences of pandemics or the three pandemics because we've had three major ones by my count in the last two, just a little over two years. So if you think about it, we started out in 2019, late 2019, 2020, and since then we've had the rise of the variants. So things like Delta and Omicron, uh, and they have each one has been its own little story. Uh, and the story has not always been a pleasant one. So who's coming next would be my question, and when. And if past history is any guide, something will be here pretty soon. But what it will be, I don't know. Wait a minute. You're saying the pandemic's not over yet? It ain't. No. It's, it's, it's seriously. Uh, what, what we need to look out for is where we are now at this moment, is actually pretty close to where we were, say, late last spring as the vaccines, the the, uh, Pfizer and uh, Moderna vaccines began to be distributed. uh, And our president, President Biden, said, you know, by July, we're going to be able to have a really good celebration and and sort of get back to normalcy. Yeah, I remember We're that. Kind yeah. Of in this, yeah, well, and, and you know what happened. And, and here comes the Delta. Delta. Yeah, yeah, well, we had you on last time for the reunion last year, and you were like, variant this and variant that. And I was like, Tyler, get the hell out of here with that shit. This is over. <laughs> <laughs> this is over. There's no such thing as variants. And now here <laughs> – and then, then boy, don't don't boy, don't you look foolish, Tyler? No, you hit the nail on the head. Actually, uh, you 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 were like, oh no no, there's going to be all these variants and shit. And I was like, you get the fuck out of here, dude. It's over. I'm double vaxxed. I'm I'm having the time of my life. And yeah, then I remember now. Yeah, but right about I went out to California about July, and it was like Delta, 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 and I was like, what the fuck is this, man? Like, but the real nightmare. Was the was the Omicron? The Delta seemed like it was like, well, the Delta's pretty bad, but if you're vaccinated, you'll be all right. But then it was like, this Omicron thing was crazy. Like all of a sudden, right after Thanksgiving, it was like, oh, this is Omicron now. And like everybody got, got. Now, did you ever get sick? Did you ever get it? Did you ever get COVID? I did not. Or if I did, okay. it was a very mild case. Right, so, right, right. So far, so good. But, um, Same here. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I've managed to get by without getting it. But tons of people I know uh, got it, like, around the holidays, uh, early January, and then they got it, uh, like, celebrities, too, and shit. But people I know also, um, you know, it was yeah, just, like, random yeah. people would just pop up and they'd be like, well, I got, I felt sick, and, yeah, I guess I got, I guess I got COVID. But, I mean, they were vaccinated, so they turned out all right. So Yeah, we were, you know, uh, in a way – although I wouldn't say we were lucky. Uh, Omicron could have been infinitely worse. The actual, uh, his presentation is different. What we're really seeing is evolution in action. If you didn't believe in evolution, watch these viruses because they're doing it right before our eyes. And so Omicron came around, and it's a much more transmissible, but it seems to be not as severe, at least in terms of uh, death and hospitalizations. So we had a, a larger case burden, total number of cases, which translated to a big surge in people in hospitals, but we didn't have the kind of disaster we would have had if 
we'd have a more transmissible delta, for example. So in right, that regard, right. we locked out. But Omicron, I, I, can't, I can't put into words what occurred there and how utterly shocking it was in terms of its speed that it was recognized or, or first brought to the attention of the world by people in South Africa. Remember, they stopped uh, travel from South Africa because they thought they could bottle it up. And yeah. The, our leaders were talking about, you know, uh, where nobody knew, nobody knew. And I agree with that. Nobody knew that anything could go this quickly across the world. And it was just stunning how fast this thing moved, how infectious it is. So, and now we got son of Omicron or sons of Omicron. These are the subvariants, BA1, BA2. And they seem to be even better at, uh, at least BA2 seems to be uh, better at penetrating antibody resistance. And so we, we have to, to worry about that. So, you know, the, but the real thing, the, the scariest thing about um, Omicron is that, you know, we, Again, words words are failing me, but we've been watching now this pandemic for a little bit over two years very intensely. Yeah. Sequencing, sampling, surveilling. Here comes Omicron. It's not related to Delta. If you had to ask me uh, when Delta first was starting to, to burgeon, I think most people and myself included would have said, Oh, yeah, the next problem will be a derivative of Delta. Here comes Omicron. It's like it freaking came from Mars. You don't understand yeah. where it was. It's not really related. It's a whole separate lineage, which I guess all of the variants really are. But this one is really out there. So where did it come from? Another animal. Uh, Omicron's expanding its, uh, its range into uh, wild animal populations. Uh, you know, was there another animal we're not aware of? Uh, did it get into a person who's immune suppressed, say an HIV patient, uh, and they couldn't really eradicate it, and it evolved in there? We don't know. I thought it, it like percolated insane. in like some. I thought it percolated. Uh, I thought it percolated like in some other country or something that they don't have a lot of vaccines. I forget where, so this I don't want to. Yes, this is a distinct possibility. And so yeah. uh, one of the reasons that they started the naming protocols that we have now is because traditionally viruses are named by location, geographic location of first discovery. Uh, right. That's not always very informative in the long run. And so the South Africans drew the, our attention to it, but it could have come from we don't know where. And right, right. Uh, they just happened to pick it up first. But our surveillance system is so leaky so gap-filled that we don't have uh, a really good ability to say, oh, yeah, here's, here's where it came from. And in that yeah. regard, it's like the first outbreak. Did it come from a wet market in Wuhan? Um, did somebody carry it in who was working with exotic animals for foods? Did it come from a laboratory? We still are arguing. It's, un yeah. it's unclear. So, yeah, you know, here we well, they, they may never, I mean, look, there are people that still think that, like, they invented AIDS in a lab, so it's not like we'll ever really know. But I guess what, I guess my issue, in a sense, is kind of the same as, like, last year, though, in a way, because it's like, look, 
But we have the vaccines now, Tyler. So it's like this is going to be a problem, but partially it's going to be a problem for the people who don't get vaccinated, right? I mean, if we get into a situation where all of a sudden these things are able to, with the vaccines like useless in the face of this, of whatever new variant comes along, then, then yeah, like, all right, we need to get really concerned. But it's like, I feel like, look, if you're vaccinated, I mean, I'm worried because I got boosted in October, and that's a long time ago now. And it's like, my fucking immunity is probably lower. I think they said it's like, now it's like 78%. But now they're like, oh, well, we don't need to do, no, you don't need to do another booster. It's like, fucking boost my ass, bitch. I want 90 all the time. I want 90 plus percent all the fucking time. 78% is not good enough for me. But I got I to gotta take what I can get, unless I can hoodwink the people at CBS into being like, all right, here's another boost. <laughs> But, I mean, as long as we have the vaccines, I mean, you know, we don't necessarily need to be like, we just have to be more careful, right? Is that kind of, I mean, that's kind of how I feel. It's like, well, as long as we have vaccines and shit and everything should probably be all right. Because even the variants, they're not like a whole new thing. They can just tweak the vaccine and then you're all right for the variant. Okay. Well, um, that's a thought. And and I would say uh, the short answer is no. Try again. It's, it's not so comforting. And and the reason is, if you think about it, Operation Warp Speed worked really well. And it, it was a spectacular success. If you had asked me before the pandemic if I would invest in Moderna, I would have said no, absolutely not. These people went forward. They had better ideas than, than they had presented or were able to develop in the past. And they made a vaccine, tested it, and scaled up somehow and got it out there in incredibly, incredibly short periods of time. I mean, it, it's a true scientific miracle. However, you can't keep up with these beasts. And if you get um, something... Uh, BA2 is getting agonizingly close to this. It's a breakthrough mutant. It, it will break through um, your uh, antibody protection. And uh, it's already rendered a couple of sort of like the last-ditch things, the monoclonal antibodies that we give to people for fusing them early in the course of the disease to save them. Same thing they gave to President Trump. Uh, yeah. Two of them, two of three don't work. There's one that still does. Uh, we still have uh, the, um, the thing going for us is that we may get ill, but we're not getting that knockdown, drag out, fatal illness, go to the hospital, all that kind yeah. of thing so far. But if the virus solves that, <coughs> I think you put your finger on it, we're not all vaccinated. There's, there's enormous gaps in coverage uh, in the world. And so one of the problems, with the RNA vaccines is scale-up. And, and there are several solutions now. Uh, Dr. Peter Hotez from uh, Texas has, uh, uh, is developing a new sort of method to produce basically what's a subunit vaccine, very similar to what we do with, with influenza, and to scale that and to get, it, get better coverage in the rest of the world. And uh, we need to do that as best we can, even with that. I'm telling you. This thing, it's gotten in the house, man. It's, it's loose yeah. in the house. And it's a problem. 
I suppose I'm not at, much like last year. I'm not as worried about it as you as you are. Uh, I mean, look, this is going to sound heartless and shit. Now I feel bad for the people who cannot take the vaccine because they have immunocompromised issues, and I also feel bad for the people who like live in parts of the world where they don't they can't get the vaccine. Like they just can't get it. Um, but like the people who are running around here in America that don't that won't get the vaccine, that won't get the vaccine. Fuck, fuck those people. Like, I'm done, Tyler. I don't have, I'm sorry. But yes. So if you're, so if you're like, if, if, if you're like going, oh, well, you know, this thing could go crazy. And next thing you know, you know, if you're not vaccinated, it could, look at you, you people have had a year. They're not going to change their mind. <laughs> I'm, I'm ready to move on from like, but I, I, I'm ready to move on from the, these people. Like, get, if you're not going to get the vaccine, that's your that's your risk, I guess. But it's like, as long as they keep as long as they keep churning out these vaccines, I'll be I'll, I'm I'm not going to stress too much about it. You know, I mean, because the other part that you gotta is interesting that you raise the point is not to get. And I'm going to say now because if people are listening, they, they may have already dipped out. Uh, by now, anyway. But it's like, look, we may get into politics, so if we do, you bear with it. So if you don't, if you can't, I think most people who are on the other end of the political spectrum have stopped listening to Banal of America. I've seen the reviews. They're like, <laughs> I'm an East Coast elite, apparently. Um, Whoa! But nice. yeah, I know. Uh, so I wish someone had told me today when I was shoveling fucking nine inches of snow for, for 90 minutes. Um, but the, like, look, dude, let's not, let's kind of like pull the camera back a little bit here because the thing is too, right? I don't just, people are done with this. And if they were like, look, oh, we got coronavirus, you know, COVID 22, right? Let's just call it that. Even though it would be that would be a different disease, I know, but let's just for, for sake of argument, we'll just call it, you know, a new variant. Cause something comes along, like even if it was a whole new disease, even if it was like, even if it was like, COVID twenty two, it's nothing like COVID nineteen. This makes your fucking toes fall off or whatever. People, I don't think people would even like people just done, dude. This is like a once a century situation. I think even if some crazy new new disease came along, people would be like, I'm just done. I'm just done with the fucking diseases and, you know, take my toes and let's just, I'll just, I'll learn to live without toes. <laughs> so I think there's a, there's serious pandemic fatigue um, everywhere. Like, I mean, even, you know, like I said, I half suspect that, like, we're going to have a low listeners and be like, fucking, petite, fucking pandemic again. Yeah, all right. But this is, uh, you know, this is Dr. Tyler Cochon, folks. This is, this, is a, this is a superstar here we're talking to. But you know what I'm saying? There's, there's, this is beyond, like, people are just fucking done with this thing. I agree that, that you have your finger on the pulse. Of, of what the opinion is on that matter. Uh, I'm just going to warn you that uh, we don't know where the next one will come from, uh, that's for sure. One problem that we have with the, the situation we're in is that we don't know where this frickin' one came from. So how are we going to avoid the problems? There are some obvious things we can do, but one of the things I think we're failing to do is to get a handle on, hey, 
you know, do we want to have laboratory research on gain of function the way that we did it before? Uh, hey, how about these wet markets? Maybe we should really clamp down on that and how we handle exotic animals. But the other thing to keep in mind is um, we've had, we've had, remember SARS 2002? Yeah. We've had a, a pandemic influenza, which turned out to be not as, as serious as, as we'd worried about. But we've got these things brewing around us all the time. And what we're seeing now with SARS-CoV-2 and its derivatives is that it's infiltrating the entire world around us. It's in deer, it's in mink, it's probably in mice. Uh, yeah, what's that all about? How well, is that, what is that all about, Tyler? We're seeing uh, evidence from sewage treatment plants, of all things, that we can track uh, the coronavirus and uh, one of the water, that, yeah. That, yeah, that could be happening is that there's some evidence that rodents may actually be a good reservoir host. Now, this is still up in the air, but it's very uh, worrisome. Uh, and for sure, we're seeing the, the animals get involved. Uh, and the real worry here is that if the virus finds a good – Well, it'll mutate and hopefully adapt to those animals, not harm them. It won't really uh, change the ecology. But uh, you, maybe you're too young to remember when West Nile virus – showed up in the U.S. Yeah. We don't know how it got here. The first thing it started doing was killing birds, I think in the Bronx Zoo. And then it started to kill uh, blue jays and crows, and it marched across the country uh, and killed a lot of people, too. Nothing like COVID. Yeah. But Did you follow it, that, bird pan that, that, that weird bird pandemic that happened last summer? Did you remember that whole thing? No, I don't. Actually, I, they I were like birds, like dropping dead all throughout the East Coast and shit. It was a very weird, some kind of mystery bird disease, but it seems to have gone away. They think about it had to do with the locusts. Uh, we had a lot of deaths of birds here uh, in the spring during the, or the migration, yeah. last fall the migration, and that was never really explained. But we had all the forest fires in the thing as well. Uh, anyway, uh, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of factors that could lead to mass die-offs of the birds. But yeah, yeah, if it finds, if if this thing, and I think it will, finds a good reservoir host and um, finds out a good place to cook, it could brew up we don't know what and give it right back to us because the most dangerous animals are the ones that we interact with very directly. And so just think about the meat markets, the wet markets, the exotic yeah. animals. That's the most you know kind of basic interaction you can have, and that that could be how HIV got in human population. Bushmeat. So yeah. we just, it's. I'm telling you, Tim, it ain't done. It ain't done. We have to. We have to. We have to be concerned that where we are now is simply in a lull, and that we yeah. Could very well, well, I mean, I'm. Again, it goes back to what I was saying before, though. It's like I'm of the opinion that, <clears throat> like, this will probably be. Like, I remember when this first started, people were like, oh, don't say it's like the flu. Don't say it's like the flu. It's totally different. But now I think it is, like, going to be like the flu where it's just going to be going to get bad, like, in the winter and, you know, kind of clear up in the spring and it'll be seasonal like that. And, again, it's like I'm not – if you're not, uh, you know, if you're not vaccinated, then you should be worried about it. But if you're vaccinated, you know – until until they're like, look, the vaccine. Look, people will freak the fuck out if this happens, and uh, you know, if they're like, look, the vaccine, you know, 
the vaccine doesn't work anymore, then people will freak out and shit. And then we'll have to have some kind of sea change and everything else. But until then, it's like, ah, uh, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm not too... I'm not too concerned about it, to be honest. But we'll see. Well, you one, know. well no, but that's the thing. Is it, you can't really – it's not easily predictable, but it was, it would be fine. But um, vaccine failure is, is one issue. The other issue is if we have a large number of people not covered, that hospitals can get really, really stretched. And so it can be hard to get routine cancer screening treatments, for example. And, and we already can see the, the backlog of cases that uh, people weren't screened, they show up later on in the disease process, which is much poorer prognosis oftentimes, and that can be very costly. If we have a large number of people across the world or locally who are a reservoir for infection, uh, maybe, yeah. maybe Omicron's taking care of that. You know, maybe it swept through so many people that we really don't um, we have a combination of artificial and uh, acquired immunity, infection-acquired immunity, that will be sufficient to turn this just the way you're talking about, which is what a lot of people refer to as an endemic. Um, yeah. Will it go that way? You know, will it be seasonal? So far, it hasn't been seasonal. You know, so far, there's no evidence that we've turned this corner, uh, but maybe. I guess we can stay hopeful, which would be a real sea change for me. Hope to be hopeful, I know. Well, yeah. I, I, you know, you you were uh, worrisomely accurate uh, over the course of the Corona Cast history of the show. So it's, I do take your concerns seriously, but I feel like you can definitely sense that this is over now. This, uh, yeah, politically, this, the the worst of it. Let's just put it this way: I think the worst of it is over because, like, look, like I said before, it's like, look, dude, if they if they were like, like, like no one's going to go back to wearing masks again. <laughs> I mean, there are some people who will just, like, not, like, uh, who will not stop wearing the masks. I've kind of, I mean, I've come around on a lot of this in a way, Tyler, like, I, uh, as part of my pandemic fatigue, where it's like, look, there are people who are like, look, we have to keep these, we have to keep the, the system in place, we have to keep the whatever, you know, and it's like, no, we, no, we don't. We don't, we like, everyone's, like, everyone who will be vaccinated, who wants to be vaccinated has been vaccinated. The people who don't, that who won't do it, won't do it. It's like, now we need to just get on with our lives. And this idea that, like, forcing the people who already are complying with everything to comply more isn't making the people who won't comply, comply at all anymore at all, if that makes any sense. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like, sure, sure. It's like, it's like you're asking all the people who, have, who are, have always followed the rules to keep following the rules. Meanwhile, the people who don't follow the rules just don't give a fuck. So, you know, at this point, yeah, like, yeah. why, like, like, why, like, why do I have to wear a mask on the airplane when I've done all the shit right? In order to what? Protect the people who won't follow the fucking rules. Like, no, no. Like, enough of this. I'm t- like, the, like, you know, the pandemic-addicted people who were like, well, I'm going to wear a mask forever because, you know, or it's like, what about the immunocompromised? The immunocompromised people have been around for before the pandemic. Like, we didn't change the world for them. It's terrible. It sucks. I'm sorry for the immunocompromised people. But, I mean, look at they know 
they they know they they've lived their lives in this world, so it's like you know they they know what they're doing the immunocompromised so uh you know I don't know well no you're you're it's, absolutely uh, right on that Tim we yeah. we have I'm getting ranty, but better. you know how I get yeah, yeah, I mean we've done this enough times, but you're absolutely <laughs> right in terms of the immunocompromised have been uh pretty much uh, on their own. Uh, forever, and uh, we um, uh, there's only so much that, that one can do, and, and so uh, like uh, those people who are um, very nervous about the pandemic, a lot of this comes down to your own sort of personal choices, but I, I will go back and say, okay, if we go ahead and somehow we nurture something like the Omicron subvariant BA2, what BA2 has done is that it's pretty much eliminated two of the monoclonal antibody therapies that you could use to rescue someone who's immunocompromised uh, yeah. or prophylax someone. Uh, it, it's eliminated those. Uh, Omicron is 99% plus, and I don't know what where the variants fall, uh, subvariants fall at this particular point. But what happens is in order to protect someone, uh, with uh, uh, against an Omicron infection with BA2, subvariant BA2, you got to use about twice as much of the monoclonal antibody. This is a precious commodity, and what, what's happening is we don't have enough to go around. And so you could very easily find yourself showing up at the perfusion center and, and having them say, sorry, just got here five minutes earlier, but, you know, we're all out. Uh, those are the kind of things that can happen to us really quickly with this. The big question is, what's the true dynamic? And uh, worldwide, we've got enough uh, susceptible, fully susceptible people out there that this virus can cook for a while, come up with all kinds of interesting variations that we haven't even thought about. I mean, if, you, if Omicron teaches us nothing, it is that we can't predict this thing. So stand back and be careful would be a really good practice. But also Omicron shows us that this thing could show up somewhere in the globe and be everywhere in a matter of months. I mean, it totally, yeah, totally stunned, absolutely. stunned our leaders here. Well, I think, uh, you, uh, you know, you're, you're kind of pessimistic. I'm more of an optimist, which makes it, which is why people adore this program. And, uh <laughs> <laughs> so so I will I will give the I will give the optimistic spin on this because here's here's what is good about what happened with over the last 2 years. We have trained a decent percentage of the population to adapt to these situations, right? So if the toe flu where your toes fall off, my hypothetical toe flu if the toe flu all of a sudden uh, emerges, at least I mean there'll be a pe- there'll be there'll it will be begrudgingly, but there will be a, po- a healthy portion of the population that's like, ah shit, all right, well I guess dig out the mask because uh, there's a now there's a toe flu, the toes fall off. Yeah, I don't know how it works either, but your, your toes fall off. So we gotta we gotta mask up and. You know, we got to do all the shit we did for uh, COVID because uh, I, I like my toes. So it's like that's, you know, so we have that built in. We have that that sort of uh, institutional memory within the population. Now, if the other 
that other group of people who are like, I don't want a mask, I don't want a vaccine, you know, fuck them. They, they lose their toes. That there's no, you know, we're living, we're living in a very divided world here. I don't know what else to say. I can't. There's nothing more. I mean, I don't know about you, Tyler. I mean, I, I sound really callous here about these people that won't take the vaccine, but like I've read enough stories <coughs> where it's like. There are people like, like you know, like a lady, her husband's dying in the hospital, and she won't come in to see him because you have to wear a mask in the hospital. And it's like, like your priorities are so fucking out of whack, lady. Like, your husband is dying, and 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 you won't even wear a mask to do in the hospital. It's like, I hear stories like that, like some trucker, con, like someone in the trucker convoy was like, I don't want to get vaccinated, this is crazy. And it's like his daughter, meanwhile, was like in the ICU somewhere in Canada. And it's like, what? Like what is nothing gets through to these people? It's it's really kind of it's it's insane. And you know, and then when they someone they know dies of COVID, it's like, well, they wouldn't give them the proper medicine to treat them. Like it's like, dude, there's no, this is not a vast global conspiracy. Uh, you know, this it's just this isn't this isn't a vast global conspiracy. Period. So uh, people need. I don't know. I don't understand the people that believe that nonsense. And and I don't feel any sympathy for them at this point, dude. I really don't. I can't, you know, <laughs> you, you can't fix stupid. It's like shit, man. I I've just I've had my wits end with them. I I gave them the I gave them the benefit of the doubt. I was like, they'll come around. They'll see that life is better once you. Because like once I got vaccinated, it was like I was just carefree. I didn't really care anymore. I still don't really now. So it's like. It's like they'll, but they don't, they don't really, they never cared in the first place. So they don't really need the vaccine to not care. And they think they're, they're smarter. They're like, well, I didn't get fooled by all that. It's like, all right, well, dude, good luck when you eventually get this thing because you're still not vaccinated. Well, I I think uh, I understand. And I get your message. One of the things that, that surprised me was, I thought when a vaccine was available that there would be uh, a problem that too many people would try to get it. Uh, I was surprised at at how many didn't. Part of that I chalk up to messaging where they say, well, it's just like the flu and most people don't get the flu vaccine, which is absolutely true uh, in terms of how many people should get the vaccine as opposed to how many do for influenza. But one thing to keep in mind is uh, if you toe flu is probably a really good example uh, in that you could say, well, yeah, I could live without my toes, and it kind of falls in the in sort of the general metric of, yeah, it mostly won't kill you. You have a very low chance. But for yeah. those folks out there whose risk was very high, those people, say, 65 and older, the percentage of vaccine recipients was pretty high. You remember when they, they first went out, they, they went after – uh, people with high medical risk and age. They stratified it by age because those are the people most likely to get sick and die. Yeah. Very smart move. And that particular turnout really didn't have much to do with politics or personal identity or anything. It was, this is dangerous, I'm going to get it. So there, there's still, I think, hope that when the stakes are high, you can get through. Unfortunately, uh, when we have a lot of, of people here and, and again across the world, who are susceptible, it can come back and, and haunt us. And uh, one of the ways is by overburdening the medical system, for example. And 
uh, you know, that I, I can't, I don't know what to do with that. Tim. Uh, and I don't, uh, the thing that has, everything about COVID is, has been a shock and a surprise, you know, un, often unwelcome ones. Uh, but the messaging and the number of people who seem determined to impose um, their ideas on others, it really kind of shocked me, but I guess I'm on Twitter. I should be used to that, right? Yeah. Well, you know, it's – I think part of my irritation, too, with the non-vaccinated is because, like, they're slowing down the rest of us, kind of like what you were saying just now, where it's like they're they're the ones who are going to cause all the trouble. They're the ones why we can't – why we have to wear masks on the planes and everything else. It's like, look, if everybody would just get ma- – get, get, you know, if everybody would just get vaccinated, then we wouldn't have to worry about this anymore. It would would be a lot less of a threat, that's for sure. Uh, But I think also um, the masks have become sort of a stand-in for uh, it's either this or that, and if we just do this, if everybody just wears a mask, Omicron kind of puts the lie to that one, Uh, especially the way we're doing the masking here. If everybody had an N95 or KN95 and used it properly, uh, maybe we could uh, slow this thing down, but I don't think we could stop it. I mean, the, the reality is it's it's pretty tough, and so we're not we're not really in a truly dichotomous situation. If you, if you don't mask, it's catastrophe. If you do, it's nirvana. Uh, nothing like that. And uh, CDC actually released their their new guidelines, and the uh, the rules on masks indoors are going to be relaxed. And uh, that probably is, is something that is uh, called for. The CDC also, though, has criteria. Uh, a lot of them have to do with medical systems in your local area. And so if the case burden starts to, to leap up, severe case burden, uh, masking mandates in principle could be reimposed. I think you're right. Once you open the door, it's, it's open. It's done. And so many people are done with it. I, I just don't think you're going to be able to bring them back again. Oh, Who's yeah, that? The people it. that are done? Yeah. This is a, yeah. I mean, some people. And, and, it's just know, a weird whoever. mix, man. It's like there are people like me who are diligent about shit, but are just kind of done. And then, like I said, there are the there are like the pandemic addicted people who are like, I'm never gonna stop wearing a mask. It's like you gotta get on with your life, dude. You gotta yeah. you gotta yeah. get on with your life. Like it's over. I, like, I know you. I know you disagree, Tyler. But in my, in my mind, it's over. Like this thing is, for the most part, it's largely over, and we have to get on with our lives now. We can't, you know. I think one interesting theory I heard was that people think like that. The idea was like, oh, this is going to change everything. This, this, that was sort of the idea, the new normal and everything. It's like the pandemic's going to change everything, and it's like, you know, here we are two years later, and the pandemic really didn't. There really isn't all that much that's changed. Like, life's pretty much almost gone back to the way it was before, uh, with a handful of exceptions. But, you know, but mostly superfluous stuff and some more people working from home is, like, one thing, maybe, you know. And and, and small things like that, people being a little more concerned about washing their hands or using sandpaper and all that shit. But it's like, for the most part, (laughs) you know, it's like we didn't get, like, 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 uh, yeah, so people were like, oh, this this should open the door for, like, universal basic income or some shit. Like, that shit, like, we got, like, three checks, and that was it. Like, that never took off. 
you know, they're still now they're like, look, you gotta just just you gotta go back to work. We're taking away any extra money you got. That was a while ago now, you know, where it's just like they're just like, look, you gotta, it's over. You gotta go. You gotta get back to life. So yeah, yeah. you know, we'll, well see. I, I agree with that part. Uh, that we we do have to come up with strategies to to live with it. And uh, honestly, my mask use out here. I live in Arizona. Uh, I'm pretty limited where I wear masks. If I go into uh, certain stores, uh, I won't mention their names, but if they are uh, big and open and I don't have to approach people closely, I don't worry about the mask. Uh, I, yeah. I don't know if that makes me a bad person or not. And that seems to be how it's kind of going out here. Now, I did have to travel to uh, Colorado uh, last, oh. right around, uh, yeah, right around New Year's, and um, mass compliance there. I was in Jefferson County. It was really good, um, and they were they were about to relax their mandate when I left, and I don't know what's what's going on now, but it varies, you know. And I'm sure Colorado itself varies, just like Arizona does. Um, yeah. But yeah, these are these are tough. Questions, the changing everything, kind of, that, that's apocryphal. But uh, I'm just going to come back and say, if we have a year three, it'll be because we had another variant. And, uh, of course, yeah. Happened. Well, that's, yeah, that's well, obvious. You know, I mean, that's obvious. But, like, look at, dude, this is the same, this is kind of why, I get why you're concerned and everything, Tyler. I totally get that. But it's like, this thing, I feel like, has receded to flu level now. Uh, where it's like, isn't that the whole thing with the flu? They have the vaccine, but there's like a million different variants of the flu, and you only get different ones in every year. It's like, oh, the vaccine, this is, the vaccine's okay, but it's not, you know, it's not made for the the, t- the kind of flu that's going around this year or whatever, right? Isn't that kind of yeah, the situation? Yeah. I think we're going to get into that. I think it's just going to be like that, you know? It, it's so. Uh, and the, the worry that you have with this is um, the virus is adapting. To humans, it's adapting to other animals as well. That, that's what we're seeing going on here. Um, yeah. In part of that process, the, the pathology has actually changed with Omicron. It's a little bit different than what we first started with. Uh, hopefully, we will see. As a lot of people say, look, there's good precedent for this. Looking in history, there are there are four uh, major human coronaviruses that only cause minor disease. So this will adapt. This will follow the same pattern. That's not predictable, uh, and it, it may not go that way, and, and there may be some interesting subvariants along the way. Flu does that, yeah. too, and one of the things that it does is uh, it will recombine. Uh, two flu viruses will get into the same person or into a pig, and what comes out is a combination that is like neither one. And when they have new uh, sort of genetic determinants that people don't have immunity to, the pandemic can be just global and disastrous. And so we've had multiple occasions of those. That's where we are at best with coronavirus. That's kind of our best hope scenario. I just don't know how long it's going to take us to get there and at what expense. Right, right. Yeah. dude. Well, we will keep an eye on it. And we will, uh, you know, you and I will uh, probably do a revisit next year, unless this thing is just completely a non-issue. Um, oh, let's you hope. Know. Let's At hope what it's point gone. now? You're. What's that? Let's hope it's gone. You know, let's let's. I hope don't know it if it can be gone away. for good, but 
What point? Now, what is – this is a good uh, capstone throwing back. Now, this is interesting. You want to you wanna hear something wild. So I looked it up, actually. I don't have the numbers today. but So back in March of 2020, when we started this show, the CoronaCast, uh, on that first episode – are you ready for this? This is wild. In the United <laughs> States – uh, in the United States, of March in March of 2020, this was like three days or so after they, after Tom Hanks got COVID, and uh, that was when it was like, oh shit, this is serious. Uh, we did our first show, and there were 1,678 cases in America, and 41 deaths on that first episode two years ago, and then, uh, then then last year when we did the show. There were 29 million, essentially 30 million cases, and 545,000 deaths. So in the span of one year, it went from 41 deaths to 545,000 deaths. And I think the, at last at last count, I think we were at like something like 800,000 deaths in America uh, about now. Um, so, and I'm guessing if it if it was 30 million cases last year, it's probably close to 100 million cases now. Uh, especially because most of them aren't that, um, you know, aren't that bad. So no, it's actually hard to quantify. Yeah, yeah this, this virus is sneaky. So okay, uh, here's which is, I've got the I've got the number here for for here on uh, week on year three a year I guess three yeah so this is the second anniversary so the first year there was forty one deaths second year there was five hundred forty five thousand deaths. And then here according to uh Google it is uh I think via the New York Times is nine hundred and forty six thousand deaths. So uh, another four hundred thousand deaths uh last year. And it's up to seventy eight point eight million cases. So, you know, I remember when we first started the show I was like, Oh, this is this could be like one of those this could be like uh, like those old tiny plagues, like the Black Death, where they're like, oh, around this many people died, but we can't even be sure. We pretty much reached that level here with, with COVID, where it's like no one really knows exactly how many people have died from this thing because so many people have died. So it's, it, you know, we'll probably hit a million deaths by the start of the summer, if not sooner. I think so, yeah. Uh, one of the things that, to keep in mind is if you want to compare it to um, – 1918 flu, that was roughly 600,000 people um, in a, a much shorter, more compressed time period. Uh, yeah. Many people had maintained that, oh, yeah, if we, if we had the 1918 flu or something equivalent to it up here today, we wouldn't have that kind of a death rate because uh, we're so much better at taking care of people. And that's true if you have the medical capacity in your system to handle them, we can do a better job. This is where when everybody shows up at the same time, uh, it becomes a real disaster. So the, the coronavirus in its own way is pretty potent already, even though it didn't approach what we saw or think we saw with Black Death, for example, or what yeah. Ebola can do when it really gets gets rolling. So, uh, again, I mean, we haven't been lucky, but we've been lucky in some ways. You know, the other thing that reminds me of is that our modeling, I don't know if you followed 
the different models that were published from uh, a lot of them from academic institutions and um, highlighted in, in major outlets like the New York Times. And one of the things that they would show, like, okay, worst case scenario, 250,000. I actually, yeah. I got so exercised by one of these publications, I sent a message to the reporter and said, you know, this is madness because it's so patently obvious that the conditions on which this particular take was predicated are not being followed here. And that's mass yeah. use, social distancing, all that stuff. We're not doing that. 250,000 is a fantasy. And the answer yeah. she gave me was, well, I showed the error terms. And you can put an error, you know, I mean, come on. You can put error yeah, terms yeah, on yeah. a pig. It's still a pig. You know, come exactly. on. Now, uh, what so we really have to, we have to improve our God. modeling capabilities. All right. Well, what's the – this is a good end cap here on this. We're going to move on to other topics in a moment because uh, I'm pandemicked out, and I think the audience is too, so we, we'll get to, get to that in a minute. But the what is – now, when we first started the show, I was like, what the hell is this COVID-19? What does it mean? What's the 19 part and all that? And you explained it all for the audience. So what is – when does a pandemic become an endemic? Like what? That's that's what the next stage would be if this thing winds down, right? It's no longer a pandemic; it's an endemic. So what? Yeah. What, what what's required for that to be for that to happen? It would be nice if it was something simple like common cold, which is seasonal. So if you go back and you look at enough people in, in say a nation, you know, if you look at a million people, you could probably always find somebody with a cold somewhere. But in the wintertime, it leaps up. This is the so-called hyperendemic pattern, and colds are, are very prevalent. Uh, so we would have to have a, a formal definition that uh, is probably out there. I don't happen to know what that would be, which would imply that you find it at less than one-tenth of a percent, and then suddenly in the season it's 10% prevalence. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. just check somebody on the spot. Uh, we would have to, to see this thing drop way down. We are nowhere near <coughs> to the end of this, okay? We're, we're on the back end of a really steep curve. That, that's where we are now. And that's why some All people right. are, are so unhappy about the lifting of, of the COVID sanctions, if you want to call it that. So it's, boy, I don't know, Tim. Trouble. Well, I got, I got, yeah. Well, I'm not too worried about, uh, the pandemic anymore. The pandemic is so 2020 because what everyone's talking about now, <laughs> Tyler, <laughs> what everyone's talking about now, Tyler, is the war, baby. What the hell yeah, is going on? <laughs> Should we tell people now? Tyler and I want to announce, folks, if you liked the Corona cast, <laughs> you're going to love the Ukraine cast. <laughs> the no. Ukraine cast, our new weekly series covering World War Three. No, I'm just kidding. Don't don't delete the don't delete the podcast feed. We're not we're not launching a Ukraine cast. But um, you know, this is this is fascinating and and um and frightening and interesting to watch. So what's your what's your take on uh what's your take on this on this fucking war, dude? It's crazy. Well, the one big problem is who can know the mind of Vladimir Putin? And, and that's, that's, you know, so much of the mystery is 
what does he want? I mean, he laid out his, his grievances, and in a way, you could you could sort of see it coming. But I'm sure that there are a lot of uh, really high-powered analysts, uh, you know, in, in the Department of Defense and Defense and elsewhere, trying to uh, surmise what he might do, gaming out why you know he did this. But most important, I would think, would be what comes next, because I, I think honestly. We know the outcome, all right? That, that yeah. The Ukrainian military will be um, subdued because they're at such a vastly greater. They're putting um, up a good force. fight so far, though. God bless them. Yeah, and so I guess the, the questions are, you know, at what cost, and that's the that's the unfortunate thing. And, and then after that, what what comes next? Uh, you know, are the the Baltics? Uh, are they next on the chopping block? Because they were part of the former Soviet Union and uh, wasn't very pleasant for them. So that's what that's what yeah, it definitely seems. Exactly. Yeah, that, that's I think that's the concern that this is like stage one of a of a longer campaign to like reform the old Soviet Union, right? Isn't that kind of the concern that a lot of people are kind of you know putting out there? That's that's I think one of them, and uh, I don't know that that's this is the problem. You're looking at people from the outside and trying to discern what what their thought process is. I don't know if that's their goal. It kind of does look like some of it maybe, but uh, you know how far would they go? What would what would be willing to risk to uh, to achieve their goal? All those things are I think really opaque. Uh, one thing that that was signaled pretty early is. Uh, NATO and the U.S. was not going to commit troops to the battle on on the side of the Ukrainians. That wasn't happening. Right, right. And that's that's one way to um, avert real catastrophe. So, but still, for yeah, those but people, the the worrisome part is like they're right up on the cusp of NATO. So, I mean, they're right on the border of Poland. So, yeah, this could yeah. spill over at any mo at any moment, yeah. and then we're in World War Three. Well, if they uh, they establish a client state um, in Ukraine and uh, like I guess Belarus in a way has has become that, uh, yeah, you know we're we're right back and looking at each other over barbed wire, uh, and so it seems like we've kind of stepped back. But the other thing is is I don't know, uh, you know, it, obviously there was not a way to negotiate out of this. Uh, no, so, not now. What we would want to do, I think, is have a good post-mortem about where things were done that set off the, the response and try not to, I emphasize the try not to, repeat that history if it's, if it's feasible. I don't know, can we, can we placate? You know, is, that, is that placating or did we provoke? Or, you know, we really got to think this through. Well, here's the here's the thing, like though, and I'm I'm sure there are a lot of people listening who are like, I mean, nobody wants war, man. That's obvious. Um, but to me, it's like it's like this. It's like I don't know. It just invading invading Ukraine is like a really a, cra- a crazy step. Like 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 Putin and Russia, they they've really gone. They've really gone off the fucking deep end here. Like this isn't this isn't like oh they're 
they're fucking around with cyber or whatever. It's like now they're rolling tanks in and taking over a country. Like it, like it's some like like this is not. Does this not qualify Putin as like a fucking war criminal now? Like, do, like he needs to be taken out at this point. I think. Um, you know, I don't think that he can just take. O- I don't think you can just invade another country, take it over, and just go. We can just go on with life as it was before. It's like this guy. <laughs> you can't. There needs to be some kind of like, you know, punishment or something to to you know this guy needs to be taken out essentially i don't know i just feel like i feel like this 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 act of aggression is so far over the line that we're almost like we are on the precipice of like world war three it just feels feels that way almost um like this like 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 uh, part of me just wonders if this if this guy's like a fucking madman and if we're and if we're like and if he and if he's just like all right let's do it you know, we all this talk, this generations, decades of talk. Uh, let's let's just throw down. Let's just have the war to end all wars here. You know, so I mean, I hope that doesn't happen. But there's a part of me that's like, in my mind, I'm like, oh shit. I think we're at the start of like a much grander fucking war here. It's possible, Tim. I mean, we don't know when when. Refugees start coming out, and I assume that they will come out in big numbers to try just to get out of the fighting area, uh, depending on how, how intense this gets. Uh, would there be a possibility that uh, crossing borders, uh, there's some kind of incident, and things happen really quickly? Uh, these are the sorts of things you always worry about. So uh, we may not be so lucky with uh, how this ultimately goes. Uh, and there's always, yeah. you know, there's always surprises. I, I think I mentioned to you today that if I had to, to make a list of 100 things that would be done by Russia in the course of invading Ukraine, taking Chernobyl would not have been on the list. And so I, I went through and, and, and looked to see if that, apparently that has indeed happened, but it was explained as that's actually a good route into yeah, the, yeah, the yeah, country gonna... from the north. I was so, going to explain uh, that, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, so, like, that, that's like a barren stretch of land, so they can kind of like barrel through the Chernobyl area and, to get to Kiev, which apparently I have a CNN on here, uh, silent, uh, muted. Um, but, yeah, they're saying like Kiev's pretty – they're pretty much trying to take Kiev like now while we're on the, while we're on the air. Oh, boy. So it's uh, – yeah, it's pretty <sighs> scary, man. It's, it's, pretty, it's pretty wild. Um you know, it's un- unbelievable. I can't quite wrap my head around it because it's like the closest I can remember something like this would be like when Iraq just rolled into Kuwait and they're like, yeah, we're ta- we're going to take you now. We're going to add you to our country or whatever. And everyone was like, no, dude, you can't do that shit. And, but this is like even bigger. Like, yeah, like I'm learning a lot about Ukraine. Uh, <laughs> it's just, you know, life, life is very educational. So, um, but, yeah. you know, Ukraine's like the size of Texas. It's like, they can't, you know, this is crazy. Like, this is crazy. I, I can't believe, you know, one country invading and taking over another country. That's like, that's like a hundred years ago shit, you know? That's like medieval shit. That's like not, that doesn't happen, you know, that doesn't happen nowadays. But I think that's why everyone's just kind of like, what the fuck? Like, you're you're just gonna go and take over this country next to you? That's crazy. Well, remember that that 
in the relatively recent history, we've gotten kind of used to the, the social order as it is in Europe, that the, the borders have been fairly secure, although we've had countries reorganize themselves. It wasn't at the, you know, the hands of a war. Uh, and so this, this is a little out of keeping for that part of the world, maybe not so much elsewhere. Uh, but uh, it is shocking. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, but, you know, you have to understand that, that I think also underlying this is maybe a feeling that uh, from our perspective, we're looking at Russia invading is not justified. I haven't heard a very good sort of counter ex- explanation here other than NATO is trying to surround us and strangle us um, you know, as to what the, what the, the uh, cause for the war really was or how it was explained to the Russian people. Um, I'd like to hear a little bit more about that, but I guess we're past that stage, so what the hell. I think the rationalization I've heard is like that it's – that they consider – he's trying to sell them on like this is really Russia – this is really our country, and they, these parts never should have been broken off, so we're going to re-add them. Uh, he's sort of tacitly saying, you know, well, well, Ukraine never should have broken off. We're going to add them, but I think it's sort of the subtext is, and then we're coming for you, other little countries that broke also broke off. Uh, yeah. You know, if I was in, like, I don't know what they are, <laughs> so so we're going to really have to bone up on our research for the Ukraine cast if we're going to keep this going. But, uh, so, yeah. so, yeah. but Lithuania, yeah, Lithuania, if I was in one of those Latvia, countries. Estonia. Yeah. And they're, they're actually in an amazingly similar situation uh, in that as former parts of the, of the former Soviet Union, uh, they had a large number of uh, emigrants from Russia who have come there, and their, their lives are there. You know? And so actually I was, I was there uh, a few years ago, um, and our guide uh, was Estonian, so he, he spoke the local language. But most of the places we went, uh, Russian was still the lingua franca uh, of, of that particular region. So he was speaking a lot to the, the people in Russian. And uh, so there's a lot of still shared history. It's uneasy, to, to put it bluntly, Tim. Uh, and I'm sure Ukraine feels the same way, that, that the history was very difficult. I mean, the, the Nazis no sooner got out of there and they had a new... Uh, set of uh, overlords, yeah. and, and it didn't go easy for a lot of people. It's just an astonishing history. So uh, it's interesting places to visit, I'll tell you. But they have kind of the same situation with, where you have Crimea and the Soviets have a um, um, naval station there. Uh, around in the Baltics, there's an area that basically was never released by the, the Russian Federation. That uh, That's strategic. For them, and it's right kind of in the middle of the of the territory. So uh, hopefully there won't be an incident over that. But uh, it's a hard life. Um, you know, I guess you talk to Mexico what it's like living next to a superpower. It's not always easy. Uh, yeah. Well, here's my. You'll like this one, Tyler. But uh, here's my here's my here's what here's my issue in a sense too with this war is. Uh, I'm having a real Berenstein Bears situation here because I thought it was called Kiev, and now everyone's saying Kiev. So what the fuck is it Kiev or is it Kiev? What you know? What's going on? I'm free. Am I insane? Wasn't it Kiev? 
<laughs> right? You, Am you I may, right? I, I don't know if this has any bearing on your sanity or not, but um, <laughs> a lot of us have noticed the same thing. And my wife traveled there for business about 10 years ago, and it was still Kiev. And that, that's, that's how the tickets were, all that stuff. But somewhere in between, it was more pop, properly, I guess, according to the, the locals to be Kiev. And, and so we're, we're switching that. I found out in, in searching today that Chernobyl, uh, the Russians spell it differently than the, the uh, people in, in Ukraine. So, and don't say the Ukraine. In, I know. I, I, yeah. Yeah, because that has uh, heavy implications. So at least what know, do you mean? we won't make that mistake. Well, because that's, that's implying that it's a part, a larger part of the greater Soviet whole. So careful. Yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, for, I kind of have figured it out. Yeah. Zach Copley in the chat's explaining it too. Yeah. Kiev is Kiev is the Russian way of saying it. Kiev, and the different spelling. There's a whole different spelling too. Kiev yeah. is. Yeah. Kiev is the Ukrainian spelling, and since we stand with Ukraine, uh, yes. You know, we say yeah. Kiev. Although I will say, I'm not one of those people like. You're on Twitter, too, so you can kind of see this. But it's like, look, these people, like, these poor people, and God bless them. I love the Ukrainians. They're fighting like bad, like mad. They're, I just I just think they're such badasses. Um, you know, they're really, they're not fucking around. So, but, uh, but, like, they're dealing with their shit. They don't need me to go on Twitter and let them know I stand with them. Okay, okay? Of course I stand with them. F- fuck the Russians, man. That's, I mean, that's how I was raised. That's how we were raised. We gotta spread this stuff around. Let's put it on the internet. You're listening to Banal of America Audio. Great heavens. What kind of radio show is this? There's a part of me, I'll be quite honest, Tyler. Nuclear annihilation, sure. I don't have kids. I don't need to worry about that. <laughs> so let's fucking do it. Let's go, man. If if this is it, this is it. Let's, you know. I would, if I was, if I, I would, you know, in, as the skin melted from my fucking body, I would say, ah, good on, good on, old Joe, launching a fucking salvo of nukes at Russia. Let's fucking, let's go. You want to fucking dance? Let's see what we got. We spent all this money on this fucking military, dude. We spent oh, all no. this money. Where, where are the UAPs? <coughs> you know, where are these fancy secret alien technology? Let's. Bust it all out, man. Let's let's fucking push all our chips on the table and let's see who walks out of this fucking nuclear Armageddon. Let's just go for it. You know? Wow. I got a new I got a new lease on life. We made it through the pandemic. Let's just let's just roll the dice and go for real world peace, which is like okay. no one left. <laughs> I uh I am definitely not voting for you. All right. <laughs> <laughs> wow. wow, man. I, well, hey, you know, it's I, I, I'm just, I, I just don't, just don't care for this guy rolling into rolling into Ukraine like that, man. It's getting me pretty, uh, it's getting me pretty fired up. But yeah, but the, I don't think you don't need to tell people that you stand with Ukraine on social. I, I guess it's fine if you do, but to me, it just seems kind of like, I don't know, silly. Well, if we could. If, I really say again that we really need to understand what 
what factors led to this particular decision because uh, certainly the Russians understand wars and battles, and, and they've had brutal fights in Chechnya, uh, Georgia. Uh, you know, they've, they've been uh, in, in Syria. Uh, so they, they understand what the cost of these things are. They understand the history very well because they were right in the middle of uh, what it took to, to manage some of the parts of the Soviet Union. And so even with that and the, the threat of sanctions, they went ahead. So obviously there's some things we need to understand here about how they got from point A to point B, which is invading Ukraine, how, what, what led to that. And I don't think we have a good – somebody might. I don't. I, I don't have a good handle on understanding that at all. I wish I did. Yeah. Well, you know, I. it's it's – who knows? They were saying before, it's like we didn't, you know – we we didn't necessarily know what the hell if this guy was really going to invade or not. It was like a, it was, it's all up to this lunatic Putin. So, you know, who knows what what made him? You saying like what made him decide to go for it now? Yeah. What what sort of uh, thought process was there to? Let's just say that they sat around and they they gamed this out. And it, you know, this takes months, Tim. You know, to, to oh, move yeah. an army like this. Uh, so they had to have been. It wasn't like one Friday night. Uh, after party where they have them beers and say, hey, you know, we really should just invade Ukraine. It didn't. It didn't happen that way. This is. This took a lot of planning, and then uh, uh, hopefully, hopefully, uh, people go back and they say, yeah, but if you do this, then that happens. And what if this? And remember what it was like uh, in Estonia, where we had these, you know, people that that objected. Uh, they know that history very well, and they still went ahead. That that to me is interesting. You know. It, blunder into it, I, I assume. But sometimes you're, you're surprised. You know, um, what was it? Uh, McNamara, Robert McNamara's uh, The Best and... No, that was uh, Halberstam, right? The Best and Brightest. Um, but these guys, they knew, they knew that, according to McNamara, he finally said he knew that Vietnam wasn't working out and they just kept turning the crank. And that's People's lives. It's amazing. Yeah. 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 It's, you know, uh, Cobbley in the chat says uh, he thinks Putin was gambling that NATO wouldn't do anything. And uh, he says he was right. So far. Yeah. So, so far, far he was yeah. right. But, you know, it's, he's, he's dancing right up against it. You know, I mean, that's, uh, you know, that's the cusp of that's sort of like uh that's the that's the real issue here. It's like this could as I said, this could spill over into something major and even bigger. It is major now, but even bigger. Well so. Yeah, and and maybe not in the way that, that you're thinking is like it, it may not have to be shots fired. Uh it could be that um some kind of uh computer virus is unleashed uh with a military objective but it, it goes Everywhere, uh, remember the ones that the Israelis and probably the U.S. had a hand in it. Uh, let go to get to the Iranians and their centrifuges. That worked, but here, here, this thing's out all over the world. Uh, so, what if there's a, a virus released with a, a, a military objective, a clear military objective, but it goes out and it starts some kind of conflagration in an oil refinery? 
in another country and they take it, you know, as an act of war. Uh, and it's all those things you don't think of that can happen and all the contingencies that suddenly become very real uh, that were never meant to be. Yeah. Well, the one of the yeah, I will. One of the great, I one of the great things on an amusing level is uh, the. I find it funny. Just, I think we joked about this when the pandemic started, because like right around the right around the time of the and and, and we and, and and Tyler and I are not are not our hands aren't clean on this either. I mean, we're just we're kind of just riffing on this Ukraine war, just based on what we see on TV. But I guess that's kind of one of the one of the fun and also at times mostly maddening parts of social media where it's like for you know, first everyone was an expert in communicable diseases, an armchair expert <laughs> in that. Now now you know, now now here you and I are fucking arguing over uh you know, the sep- the, the separatists in Donbass. It's like what the fuck do we know? <laughs> like <laughs> You got a guy who writes okay. about Bigfoot and a retired, uh, <laughs> and a retired, a retired, uh, you know, scientist here, and it's like we're we're, we're, we're debating the merits of of Donbass as a breakaway, uh, a breakaway country or some shit. It's like what the fuck? Yeah. What, what? I'm not qualified to speak on Donbass <laughs> in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. Yeah, oh, uh, that's a good one. No, that that's what can you say? All right, yeah, okay, there I am. Uh, yeah, I guess. Uh, although I think you know, certainly it, it instructs a lot of us to to say we really need to ask questions and and perhaps convey them to our uh, senators, for example, if you can find them. Uh, that, that's one of our problems, but uh, uh, you know, I'm not seeing no, a whole no, lot I... of. Uh, Bold leadership here. Yeah. Well, it's it's it'll be interesting to see what happens. I've never seen anything quite like this. This definitely feels like. Well, I mean, they're saying this is like the biggest, the most, the most tumultuous uh, situation in Europe in like seventy years or something like that. So you know, you see something new every day, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah. I I'm old enough to remember when. Um, Czechoslovakia was invaded by the Russians, and okay. uh, that was in 1968, and that that was quite a shock. And um, uh, that sort of um, they had reverberations for quite a while, but basically behind the Iron Curtain, you know, the other side, um, there wasn't going to be any move to stop them. Uh, in 1956, there was a rebellion in in Hungary. And uh, I think a lot of people were led to believe that they would get help that didn't come. But then the repression that comes afterwards is, is pretty profound. And uh, I can remember one of the faculty members when I was in graduate school traveled to a meeting in Vienna, and then he went on to Prague. And he said you could really, as soon as you crossed the border uh, into Czechos- what was then Czechoslovakia, that you could really feel that it was a very, very repressed situation as opposed to Vienna, which was uh, quite a different atmosphere. And that was uh, 15 years later, you know, after the, the 68 uh, rebellion was put down. That was led by a guy named Alexander Dubček. And uh, I can't remember what happened to him. A lot of these people 
um, end up in pretty tough circumstances, as you can imagine. And that may happen uh, as well with the leadership in Ukraine. Yeah. Well, this is kind of goes back to my ranting and raving about a nuclear apocalypse. As someone on Twitter just now posted what I think is a very prescient point. Uh, this Heather Gardner, I don't follow her, someone retweeted it, but uh, it makes sense to me. Uh, she says, the Ukraine crisis is making something abundantly clear. Spending $80 billion a year on a military we can't use due to the very real threat of nuclear apocalypse doesn't make much sense. Right? I mean, that's kind of my... You know, well, yeah. it's like we, yeah. it's, it, that's the irritating part. It's like, look at, you know, I thought, I thought we have the greatest military in the world. Like, why are we, I get like that we don't want to jump into this mess right now. But at the same time, it's like, all right, you know, this is, this is kind of like, it, it's a little irritating. Yeah. Yeah. I, I understand. I, I think if, if you're sitting there and, and looking from the outside in, say you're Kim Jong-un in Korea. North Korea. The right. lesson is very clear. You want nuclear weapons. That's that's your insurance policy against a superpower that, that you might just start popping them off, and it, it would be very costly to do something to you. If Saddam Hussein had actually had them, uh, we might have been unable to just go in there and, and remove him. Uh, you know, so there, there's kind of an incentive to get them, even though you really don't want to use them. It's it's pretty crazy in and of itself. It's Doctor Strange love for real. Right. Yeah, yeah. You know. I mean, so like, I, I'm not again. Go back. I'm to, not yeah, in in favor of like nuclear annihilation or whatever. But at the same time, it's like at some point you gotta kind of. I don't know. It's like it's like we live in. For the last like seventy years or whatever, it's like we've been living or eighty or whatever. Now it's like we've been living on the ed- on this knife edge of like, well, there's all this shit that can yeah. just blow up the world. It's like maybe we maybe we need to just maybe we need to just get f- fucking just fire off all the fireworks and see what happens after that. Because it's like we we've yeah. we, we we're we've created this tinderbox of a civilization that it's going to happen eventually, right? I mean, I think yeah. I, I don't I don't yeah. see how. I don't see how we can have like hundreds of hundreds and hundreds of like nuclear weapons and not and this not eventually happen. You know that that, that some, two countries are going to fucking start firing these things. I, I figured it would be India and Pakistan, but you yes. know who knows? I guess that's yeah. the other thing that people are concerned about. This is this is how people who are like, oh, this isn't a big deal. It's definitely a big deal because uh, this this is how world wars start because. If Russia takes Ukraine and no one fucking does anything about it, then China's going to be like, "Well, we're going to take Taiwan then, because you guys didn't do anything about that, so we're going to we're going to do our thing." And then you know that'll embolden Russia to keep going, you know. And the next thing you know, North Korea's like, "Hey, well, well, all one's all wrapped up with fighting China and Russia. We're gonna, you know, we're gonna blow shit up." So yeah, yeah, it's we can come up with all these. Nightmare scenarios, scenarios without any problem. But um, this was part of the frustration during the Vietnam War, uh, when uh, Barry Goldwater was a candidate. Uh, he had uh, proposed going all out. Same thing George Wallace proposed. You know, you can't can't just mess around here. We've got the greatest military in the world. I, I God, it's been so long. I, I wasn't very old at the time, but I thought that. Uh, Goldwater had talked about um, using nuclear weapons uh, to uh, to subdue 
the Vietnam opposition, which in and of itself was crazy because we were actually fighting the people that lived there uh, for their country, which is insane. Uh, but that was, that was yeah, one of the frustrations yeah. then is that, you know, look, we, we have all this power. Let's use it. And 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 we did. We did, Tim. It was pretty pretty brutal. Yeah. Well, war, you know. Too. We'll see what happens. It's, uh, it's a scary situation. It's definitely uh, – I just don't I just don't see how we can go back to normal after this like you know uh it'll be like I, I think those Ukrainians are just going to raise hell all the time anyway if they try to occupy it and turn it into a a satellite state or whatever like they'll eventually like run the Russians out I think so it, I hope it's it's possible um it, certainly I think you know that they've decided that they they want to be independent it could be at a horrible cost you know, I mean, it's just you just look at this and go, oh, man, why? Uh, but you know, there's there's other factors. Uh, Russia is a, a very important energy producer, uh, natural gas, oil, they're major exporters. That has a big effect on the the world economy in principle. Uh, yeah. How about the space station, you know, how are we going to operate the space station? Even though tell all the Americans, you know, you got to leave now. Well, did you see the news today that uh, – I don't know if it was Putin or someone else, but was they were like, hey, with all these sanctions, you know, things – shit happens. That uh, that International Space Station could come plummeting out of the sky. Was really? Like, I didn't what? see that. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, they, they threatened to like – Yeah, yeah. They threatened to like – oh. it was kind of like an aside. It was like, you know, anything could happen oh, if we – with all these sanctions, you don't know. You know, things something could go wrong on the space station and come, come crashing down from the sky. But good God, you know, this it's, is like the mafia. It's yeah, pretty nuts. You dude. wouldn't want something to happen, would you? Yeah, that's kind of what it was like. Yeah. <laughs> Holy cow! Well, I mean, we'll we'll see what happens. It's stressful, but you know, I feel like I can kind of understand how many people felt around. Uh, World War Two, where it's like we're so far away from all that shit that it's like, uh, you know, the thought of like, like them that, of someone trying to invade America, like this is not even fathomable. So to me, it's like, uh, <clears throat> you know, it runs into that. Are we should we just stay to our own devices and not get mixed up in this, or is it our responsibility to make sure the rest of the world doesn't go to shit? So I mean, I think it's in our best well, interest to make sure the West. The rest of the world doesn't go to shit. So, it's yeah. I think it, it's certainly we're uh, we're dependent on the international trade, global trade. So we want to keep those trade routes open. Uh, but I'll also remind you that during World War II, when the Japanese hit Pearl Harbor, uh, my mom and dad were uh, basically of the age to to fight in that war. Uh, they were very alarmed about an invasion in California. And, uh, and they, they thought it, it's it's going to happen any minute, and uh, you know they're right there, uh, ready to go. I mean, one of the things was that they didn't know where the Japanese were, uh, just like the Japanese didn't know where our aircraft carriers were. They they didn't happen to catch them in Pearl Harbor. They got the battleships. Yeah, uh, this is <clears throat> so. You have well, one of the things that my mom told me many years later is that they were very aware there, there was a terrible battle. At Pearl Harbor, but the full extent of what had happened 
was not made clear to the public for quite some time because they didn't want the Japanese to find out how badly they had hurt the fleet. It was a, yeah. a major blow. And so anyway, they were they were concerned that, you know, they will cut, the next thing will be the Japanese taking Pearl Harbor. The next thing after that will be, um, you know, California. Really worried, really scared. So even with that feeling of invulnerability with, with you know, the Pacific Ocean between us and the enemy, uh, it evaporated pretty quick, pretty quickly back in the day. Yeah. But now we have satellites and shit, and so, you know, you think. But, you know, who knows? Shit can come flying pretty fast, uh, you know, they have the ability to launch shit from one, you know, from one intercontinental, inter, 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 whatever they're called. I'm tired. <laughs> intercontinental <laughs> missiles and shit. You know, you intercontinental ballistics. Out. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah, <laughs> ballistics. Inter, intercontinental ballistics and shit. So it's, who knows? You know, we'll see what happens. Hope for the best. It's like, look, this is like the shittiest decade ever so far. So, 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 yeah, so yeah. what's a little nuclear war to go on top of a pandemic, you know? Well, and I, I do wonder, is. not to be too conspiratorial, but isn't that like the whole thing where it's like when the economy tanks, they, you know, get get a war going and that'll revive the economy and shit? It's like, ah, who knows? Maybe that's what Putin's angling for. Maybe that's what... You know, if we're going to get really conspiratorial, maybe that's what the powers that be are, are angling for around the. You know, we'll we'll get a little world war going. That'll get us. That'll that'll get everyone. That'll get the machines rolling again. So yeah. who knows? Yeah. 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 I, I hope you're wrong on that, but yeah, I'm afraid you're right. We are just cogs in the system, Tyler. Now, uh, well, the yeah, system. Yeah. yeah. Well, for the paranormalists in the audience. Uh, you know, well, I guess uh, before we jump into that, yeah, I guess part of, I guess part of my sort of like, uh, and, and I, I mean, I, I hope folks listening don't take me too seriously, where it's like, <laughs> yeah, let's have nuclear Armageddon. It's like, no, 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 I'm, I'm against nuclear Armageddon, but I, <laughs> but at the same time, it's like I'd like to see all the, I cheer for the story, so, so, you know, um, and I'd like to see the exotic weaponry, the so-called secret, you know, oh, you don't, you don't know about this. You know, it takes a generation before you find out about the secret military technology that we have. It's like, you know what? Like, <laughs> like there's a fucking war going on. Bust out the secret technology. Now is the time to break out the 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 anti gravity, impervious to to, to bullets. Uh, you know, super uh, super ship that could have come from aliens, but we don't know. But defies gravity. Like, like, all right. That would be the upside of nuclear arrogance. Like, let's all right, let's see this fucking exotic shit that we've been developing for for generations that no one's supposed to know about. We can't let anyone know about this. We got to keep it a secret in case we need it. Well, we're getting closer and closer to the point where we're going to need this shit. So let's. Yeah. I want to see the exotic technology. So the that kind of connects in a way to I was talking to you about this to you and for the paranormalists who are listening who are still listening who haven't been like what the fuck is this I'm hanging up on this show <laughs> um, <laughs> hey so that's my fine work is done. yeah exactly um, but for so you now I was talking to you about this before we get on the show uh, now you you kind of took an interest in the UFO subject a while ago, before all this, before it became cool. So, I mean, what's your take on 
what's been going on for like the last five years, and the and the sort of embrace of UFOs by the world of academia, which is where you came came from. I think you're retired now. You're not in academia anymore, right? So, nope, I'm out. Uh, nice. Um, but there are. It is. It seems like UFOs are being seen in a new light. Um, you know, what's your take on all that? You know, I started when I was, what, 12 years old? And I saw a book on a TV show uh, written by Frank Edwards, Flying Saucer Serious Business. And that just launched me into this subject. You know, I, I was utterly fascinated by it. And it's, it's kind of stuck with me my whole life. I, I put it aside when I went to uh, college and graduate school and, and came back after the UFO Hunters program started on the History Channel, of all things. I just had kind of had the time on my hands, and it was still something near and dear to my heart. But you're talking about last five years, you mean from 20, to break it down, like from 2017 and the publication of the New York Times yeah, article by Leslie King. Yeah, big New York Times Jim article that, yeah. Changed everything. Pretty, it, it really did, Tim. I mean, um, it, it it's fascinating in its implications because the tic tac and, and these observations have now become the proxy for the battle of what are UFOs? Are they alien or not? And everything for believers kind of rests on okay, if, if this can be demonstrated, then we got it. You know, all the other dominoes fall. Uh, the idea of uh, academicians like Avi Loeb uh, and uh, some others uh, coming in is, is interesting, but I'll, I'll just remind you that uh, academic interests, uh, academic scientists' interest in, in the UFO field has ebbed and flowed over the years. And uh, yeah. I put something in my blog about Avi Loeb, and I went back and I, I looked through some of the things that just showed up in the journal Science, which is the flagship of the American Association for the Advancement of Science. And there's no shortage of articles and uh, ideas about uh, alien life, flying saucers. All these things have appeared there uh, over the years and been discussed with varying degrees of, um, I guess, uh, real interest. Uh, and so over the years, we've seen it. And other, other scientists, Bernard Haish, has studied these things for uh, quite some time. Peter Sturrock uh, published a book. There have been attempts to uh, gather the best UFO evidence. I think Berliner did that one. Uh, and so, you know, those, those have been interesting. J. Allen Hynek was actually an astronomer at Northwestern, and, uh, and he certainly uh, labored uh, pretty heavily over the years. And, and his ideas changed, as sometimes they do. Uh, but I look at the situation now, and, and to me, um, the, the folks that be who are doling out the information have become our new gatekeepers, and we're all supplicants, you know. Uh, please, could, could, could we have another video? Please, uh, what do you have? And, and, and they come back and, and say, oh, I got an NDA. I can't tell you anything, or I have to kill you. Uh, <laughs> some unhelpful uh, crap like that, or yeah, yeah, there's there's big stuff in the works, and so we all just sit there with hat in hand, waiting, waiting for them to to give us things. And it, if history teaches us anything, with the Condon report and the way UFOs were handled by official channels, to me, the last thing you want is officialdom in charge 
uh, and in particular, in charge of the sources of information. That's that's what's bothering me. So I had a lot more hope for Avi Loeb and people doing some independent studies, although I, I don't know about his chances for success uh, independently the way he was going or will go. Uh, but uh, now he's kind of aligned with uh, the major powers um, that are aligned with the, or in with the Pentagon, and I don't know how that's going to work out. If I were Avi Loeb, my biggest fear is that I'm going to be years into this and I'm going to have a big smoking pile of nothing. That, that's yeah. my biggest fear. It's class's curse all over again. Exactly. And, and I yeah. just see that happening. And so I wonder if that was part of the thing is that he sees that maybe some other groups have something and I should try to delve into that. To his credit, I think he's trying to, to work with everyone. I, I hope it works. I just don't know that it will. Uh, but there's some really other there's some other interesting people who have come in. Dr. Gary Nolan uh, is is someone I think people need to really pay attention to, uh, and I call him the most dangerous man in ufology. And uh, I think you ought to get him on your show because he's a very capable scientist and he's got a great capacity to do actual research. Yeah, I mean, I don't I, agree with everything that he's done or said, but he can sure kill a hypothesis like nobody else can. You know, I mean, well, he's in good company say. then in the world of UFOs. I guess my issue, I suppose, with uh, the longer I've been able to observe this community is like, and I mean, we're seeing it kind of now. We'll see how this all shakes out, but it's like. More often than not, if you get mixed up in UFOs, like, you don't necessarily pull the UFOs up to your level. They pull you down to theirs. Uh, <laughs> and true. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's like, or as I like to say, like, if you get mixed up in the UFO circus, eventually you're just going to become one of the clowns. And, I, and that seems to happen to, like, everybody. And you hear people, people get mixed, you know, people come in, they've got some highfalutin background, they're a professor somewhere, or they're a former government this, that, or the other thing, and it's like, oh, this this person's legit. They they you know, and then in in like four or five years, they're squawking around at the fucking Mobile UFO Flying Saucer Fest, um, you know, wearing fucking a pair of antenna on their head, <laughs> you know, it's it's like uh, it's an old movie like the Blue Angel. The Blue Angel, it's an old German movie where this uh, businessman, like, falls in love with a burlesque singer. And um, it's kind of like he tries to, he tries to, uh, you know, he tries to class her up and, and make her a part of his high society. And by the end of the movie, he's a clown in the, in the burlesque thing because she drags him down. I probably butchered that whole plot to the Blue Angel. But that's, you know, that's kind of what I imagine is... So that's that's what it is like, I think, with this with this UFO subject. Um, you it know, I think be. if you if you want to do good work, you have to kind of get, keep yourself away from the the riffraff of UFO world. Well, it's it's uh, this is one of the things we have all these new people drawn in, and so they haven't really been around long enough. Uh, I wish we had Jeff Ritzman around because 
Jeff was so good when I would talk to him about certain people and say, hey, you know what, I think this guy is maybe on to something, he looks promising. And, and Jeff would, would let me talk, and then he'd say, okay, Tyler, here's how it's going to play out. And damn if he wasn't right every single time. So he'll go along to this point, and then he won't deal with it anymore. You know, cut off all communication. That'll be the end of it. You'll get no further. And he could call it. He really, he really had a good feel for what people would do and how they operated. But he had a long time in the business, so to speak. So look at using today. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I think he passed away like a year ago yesterday. So, um, yeah. you know, yeah. he's, uh, you know. Marlena Dietrich, that's who was in the movie, uh, The Blue Angel. Oh. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, okay, so he was a school teacher who fell in love with, uh, who fell in love with a burlesque dancer. And uh, by the end of the movie, it says he is rejected, humiliated, and destitute, uh, and, and essentially becomes a clown in the, in the circus. So that, that's my envisionment of uh, what happens to a lot of these people who get you know, mixed up in this subject. So well, be very you know, careful. The, you do. And one of the things that, that can happen is it's, it's, I wouldn't say it's easy, but I, I think people quickly figure out what the right answer is. If you want to be uh, invited to the UFO lecture circuits, you know, and so you can, you can say the right things and, uh, and uh, be uh, invited uh, whereas others uh, who maybe have more contrary views, uh, they they don't mesh with the audience. Let's put it that way. And so I I used to go to the UFO Congress when it um, when they were out in uh, Fort McDowell Casino. It was always a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun to see some of the of the big name speakers and how the audience would react to them was was really interesting and. Uh, very instructive. So a fascinating study in and of itself. Yeah, well, yeah. I've kind of turned on UFO world in a sense just because, well, I mean, just social media UFO world because it's just a lot of like, it's just a lot of hero worship and shit. To me, it's like, uh, you know, uh, in real time, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so to, to me, it's like, I don't really, I don't, I don't buy it. You know, but I mean, look, and I I thought Stan Friedman was like the cat's pajamas, but I disagree with him about a lot of shit. So, so but I, there's no there's no room for that nowadays in this stuff. You just got to take these people's word for it, what they say, even if they're even if they can't if, if they if they can't say anything with a straight if they can't give you a straight answer, it's like, well, you know, he can't say anything because he's on an NDA or whatever. But it's like, all right, man, you know. I don't know. I don't know. Well, I think I don't know if it was you or if you if you've heard my policy, but you know, I, I, I'm tired of all this talk. But <laughs> I'm sensing a theme here between the nuclear, the nuclear war, and the uh, and now aliens. Yeah, it's like just, as I say quite often, show me the fucking aliens. Like I'm just tired of all this stuff. I'm tired of the pictures, tired of the videos, tired of the stories. Oh. I was I when I was in in the army I saw a UFO every day. It's like get the fuck out of here. Like all right, show me the fucking aliens, dude. I don't care. I don't care if you saw a UFO every day at lunch. 
when you went out to eat at the picnic table on the barracks. Like, good, good for you. That's awesome. But, you know, I ain't seen shit, so show me the aliens. <laughs> well, I laugh because that's, that's kind of the, the situation that, that I'm in. I'm, I'm not an experiencer. I, I thought I saw something once, but I was quickly able to figure out what it was. Um, but I had a friend who just had a, an experience. And he knew I was interested, and he came out and was talking to me. And he's been shaken by it. Doesn't know what it was, and, and does admit that maybe he saw a military craft being tested because he lives out in the area of military reservations and test ranges and such. Um, yeah. It, but it's it's going to be one of those things that I think that uh, maybe life changing to some degree for him. You know, it certainly makes him think, which is part of the fascination of it. But the thing with UFO Twitter is I think you absolutely hit it on the head, is that you're either in or not. You either believe or don't. There's no, let's examine the evidence, let's see the evidence, let's have the evidence, and then we can, you know, judge its strengths and weaknesses and whatnot at that point. We've never gotten there, in my opinion, so much of the time. Yeah, well, it'll be interesting. There's two things going on here. You kind of mentioned that the, but the whole thing with the government, where they passed that DOD bill or whatever, that like now there's a DOD, they're going to make a DOD UFO desk and shit. It's like getting part of me is like, good, okay, good. You know what? Let's take this out of the hands of of the people. They, clearly, they haven't been able to figure this out for like 60 years. So let let the government try and figure it out. But then it's like I don't trust them to figure it out anyway. So. To me, and, and you're not going to get the kind of – they're going to tell you what they want you to know. So, yeah. you yeah. know, I guess it's – you know, it, you, you can't win with this subject because either you're going to get the, the sanitized, possibly spun, possibly completely bullshit information from the government, or or you're going to get the fucking zany, off-the-wall uh, you know, the aliens come and talk to me every fucking, every two Thursdays, every third Thursday, the aliens come to my house and talk to me, you know, guy at the at the Mobile UFO uh, festival with, with the antenna on his head. It's like, you, you really can't, you really, you know, you really can't, or you get like, there's the third, the third avenue, which I, I find equally sort of, uh, you know, irritating these days, which is sort of like what I call the UFO cognizanti, which is just the people who sit around all day and they're like, what if it's, you know, just kind of just kind of theorize all day. It's like, get the fuck out of here. I don't have time for theorizing about this shit either. I don't, I don't, have, the, I don't have the patience for that either. But so you can't win. There's no, there's no right lane here, at least for me, that I find particularly satisfying. No, I agree. And, you know, I mean, just think about past history has been pretty clear on this point that we, we've had efforts that have been more public relations than actual research and uh, there is a practical limit to what we can expect the military to convey to us. I think we start out with that. That's, that's why I thought, well, maybe Avi Lowe coming at it from a different direction as a more academic that was, guy. Yeah, see, that what, yeah. You know, maybe. Yeah, the, I, but I don't know what he's doing. But now he's mixed him. up with the government shit. So. He's uh, – this is all supposition on my part. I can't impute fairly what what his thought process is. But I still wonder if it, deep down it's like, well, maybe they've got something and I could, I could tap into that because you can't predict this phenomenon. It, 
it's elusive, you know, um, <laughs> it doesn't cooperate. Uh, yeah, well, if years, that's the case, if he if he believes that, then I feel bad for him because he he is like the equivalent of uh, you know somebody who just got off the bus in in downtown New York City, like <laughs> like, like UFO world UFO history is replete with people who say something's got it, either there's shit going on I can't tell you about. Um, or, or that something's coming around the corner that is going to be world-altering. They've been saying this for generations, for years. You know, it's always yeah. like, I know things that I can't tell you, but trust me, this is really going to be it. So if someone yeah. look at, and that's entirely possible. Somebody could have gotten in his ear and been like, <laughs> and and said that. Um, but that's just par for the course in this crazy in this crazy field. People are always, you know, who knows where these purported insiders get their information from but we're sitting here in 2022 and we don't have any answers to it so uh i don't see what really <laughs> i don't i don't get too excited about this talk of like well i know things but i can't tell you about them it's like well then what good are you what could you, what yeah, could you do? yeah i mean you know you're exactly right we're five years into it five years into it and we're we're really not that further along. So I think we could go another 50 with this one. You know? Yeah. Whole well, careers could be built on the Tic Tac. Oh, God. Whole careers are being built on this whole, ever since uh, this yeah. five-year, you know. We've seen uh, the UFO world of, I call it now, I've taken now to calling it sort of, this is like the UAP era, where it's like you're seeing a whole slew of new personalities come about that, like, Five, definitely five years ago, ten years ago for sure, just weren't around. It was a whole different community. The whole the community has completely turned over in a way. And you've got some old-timers that are still kind of hanging on and are still kind of like trying to be relevant in this new paradigm. But this UAP era is a whole – is completely different from UFO history that I recall. No, I think you're right. I, I think actually the the field, if you want to call it that, the field was hungry for it because we had done a lot of the the retrospective studies to death. You know, we've been through uh, time and time again the same ground over and over again, and, and so there's a point where that won't work anymore. And so suddenly, here's a fresh perspective, fresh voices, and and you can see that you know the people voted with their feet. They went over there to something new something interesting How about right that? <clears throat> yeah i could sense that in the air um yeah i got a sense of that in the air like around yeah around five or six years ago sort of when this kind of came people you know a lot of these people uh you know i'm like 43 a lot of them are older than me when i got into this so that, a lot of, we're talking about a lot of like 60 70 year olds and shit and like they've spent 30 plus years or whatever on it. And I think they're, they're more frustrated. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're like, enough's enough. We want to know what this is. So any, this, any sort of sense of officialdom, you know, they've been beating the drum on this disclosure thing for, for years. So even the, even the slightest sniff of it, and this is a more than a sniff. This is quite a, a tease, uh, gets them all hot and bothered. Oh yeah. Yeah. This, this is actually, uh, Pretty remarkable stuff when you consider the source. So I think you ought to bring 
Adam go rightly on and, and get his perspectives on government and men in black and intrigues and uh, people that like to stir the pot. And, you know, he had his book is just absolutely. Well, we talked about his book last last. Uh, oh, I remember. Yeah. Last fall, yeah, last spring when it came out. It's a fantastic yeah. book. Yeah. Uh, it really is highly recommended. Yeah, it's uh, something with kooks in the title. I don't have it off the top of my head. So. Saucers, spooks, and kooks. There you go, saucers, so, spooks, and kooks. See. Yeah, check it out, folks. That's an outstanding book. It's like, uh, it's it's uh, it's excellent. It really is. Uh, if you're interested in sort of like the human underpinnings of this uh, and the intelligence underpinnings of a lot of this stuff, this is that's the that's the book to get. Um, there you go. Your dollars at work. So what's I, that? You know, I, I look at guys. Well, it's your tax dollars at work when they spun Paul Benowitz around. Uh, to the point of, of driving him crazy, uh, yeah. in, in my opinion, uh, and and did so with apparent impunity. Uh, that's that's a remarkable story, uh, and so I, I I look at that and go, well, you know, some of the same people are still around. Uh, maybe they just have a new gig, uh, and a new uh, a new way to get stuff out. Uh, but certainly, the benefit of humanity was never part of what they were about. You know, information was never part of what they were about. Uh, think about Bill Moore. And so probably a lot of new people coming in don't even know who that guy was uh, yeah. and, and what he tried to do and how that worked out for him. Uh, so interesting stories here. And government influence is not always so kindly, let's put it you know, mildly. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, and I think... Well, it'll be interesting to see, and I've implored Jack Brewer to do uh, to do this, and he very well may. Um, but it, and I'm sure if he doesn't, someone else will. But it would be interesting to see someone go in December when the New York Times article has been out for five years to go in and and go through it with a fine tooth comb and go, okay, we found out this is bullshit, this is wrong, this never panned out, this you know, because a lot of people talk about this article is like groundbreaking and shit. And it was groundbreaking. It sort of is, it ushered in this new era. But the article itself, if you go back and look at it, I think is is full of all kinds of fucking holes. Um, yes. No question. And, I mean, I remember being very excited when I, when I read the article and, like, tucked away, like, way in the bottom of the article where it was like, it's like they have warehouses with alien alloys in them. That, yeah. And it was like, what the fuck is this? And it's like, here we are. Okay, okay, so... If we, if we, and later it was like somebody asked Bob Bigelow about it, and he was like, "Yeah, that's not true," or something like that. And th- and then that was that was it. But it was like, to me, here we are, we're five years later. If there were warehouses with pieces of UFOs in them, uh, it, it would be over. <laughs> so so clearly, yes, you know, something doesn't add up. And, and yeah, so the, the thing that. Actually, uh, Jeremy Vaney did an um, interview with uh, Jack. No, I'm just, I'm just Jeremy Vaney, that guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he, and he um, uh, had Jack and me on, and we talked about the article and the holes. And one of the, the questions that, that we had collectively was, uh, you know, where were the editors? Where were the fact checkers? Uh, because some of these things were just outstandingly obvious for things to, uh, first of all, investigate further the the um, metal parts 
you know, where are they, who's got them, what's been done with them? And, you know, can we verify that? Well, apparently it didn't happen. If Bigelow comes out and says, no, it wasn't there, obviously there's some contradiction here. And, and so which one of those stories is correct? Wouldn't that be interesting yeah. to know? And that's, that's the big disappointment, I think, with uh, the writing. And, uh, and so, you know, my question was, uh, I don't know that, that Jack would agree with this uh, at all, but I look at that and say, geez, who paid to have that article placed in the New York Times? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think, like, you know, who would edit that in that way and, and not check out these things that, that fall apart so quickly? or at least become controversial so quickly. And now the New York Times yeah. doesn't have a public editor, so you don't have that recourse anymore like you used to. So there we are. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's uh, interesting to see. It's fun to watch. I'm not a part of... It is. You know, I, I suppose... I never really felt like I was a part of the UFO community, but I suppose if I... It, it was the closest thing I had to, like, uh, a camp, in a way, in this field. Now I'm, I definitely don't. Um, very often I likened it to someone I was talking about the other night. It was like, it's, it's almost hard for me to like kind of fathom in a way. Cause to me, it's like, I don't, I like sports, but I don't care for soccer and, uh, you know, like English football and everything. But there are people who like absolutely love it and follow it and know all the players and all the storylines and all that. And to me, that's like how I see, uh, all this stuff nowadays. Where it's like, they're so into it, and they're so, they hang on every word that, like, Lou Elizondo says, and every every new little, like, nugget of information, and they just go bananas and shit. And it's just, to me, I watch it, I'm just like, I don't understand it at all. I don't get why, but I mean, hey, a lot, millions of people watch The Bachelor, right? So, it's, uh, <laughs> that's kind of how I feel about it. It's like, ah, jeez, they're really, people are really into this shit, but I don't, I don't get it. Um, yeah, you know. and we probably never will. Um, <laughs> but I, I understand. As, as somebody that's had a life, basically a lifelong interest in, in the UFO topic, although it's ebbed and flowed at times, uh, I look at some of the new stuff and uh, I don't get excited by it. And, and what I would say to, to everyone is just follow it. Listen to it. Yeah. You know, don't, don't get too invested in any one idea. Uh, don't hang your identity on it. And I see a lot of people doing the very opposite of that. Uh, and just see where, what they can come up with uh, and be mindful in the past that a lot of things haven't worked out as, as advertised in this field. So, so be it. Yeah. That's pretty much kind of where I'm at, where I, I do follow it, but I'm not invested in it. Like, you know, uh, what we need is, I said this on the show, I think on the year in review show, but like, what we need is, uh, I get that, like you were saying, people are having a whole careers are built off of the TikTok. It's like, this UFO thing is so hot right now. What we need is like a Phoenix Lights. We need like a contemporary, we need an event that's going to happen like in the summer of 2022. We need like a now event. That would change, yeah. that would get me excited. Um. I don't think oh, any. Are you going to do a 25th anniversary of the Phoenix Lights? Because that's coming up. No. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> I'm oh, more likely to do like a 70th on. anniversary of the Dover Demon in uh, Dover, Mass. Uh, <laughs> I, I will tell you this. I my 
Uh, I have many regrets in life, Tyler, as you probably can imagine. But my, <laughs> I, what, if I had the wherewithal, what I would have liked to have done, and I didn't even tell anybody this because I didn't want anyone to steal my idea. Now nobody did it that I'm aware of. But what I would have loved to have done is uh, – this past November was the 50th anniversary of the D.B. Cooper um, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. incident yeah. or whatever, the skyjacking. I would have loved yeah. to have, like, okay, obviously, who knows? You know, I'm sure they know kind of where he parachuted from, but, like, just, just to sort of parachute in the general region. I would have loved to have done that, like, on the anniversary. So okay. I'm surprised no one did. Just, just remember, Dan Cooper died apparently, so that might temper your your dream there. I don't believe that. I think DB Cooper lived. So <laughs> I knew it <laughs> for sure. He lived, dude. He definitely lived. You're crazy. I can't. You're one of those people that thinks he died. No way. <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> wow. All right. Sorry. I, no, don't be sorry. I I I I thought everybody. Honestly, I'm actually surprised because I thought everyone. Uh, I don't think I've ever really talked to someone who thinks that he died. So yeah, I, I thought I just, everybody just assumed he got away with it somehow. Like he, you know, I just assumed everybody. In think, a way, uh, yeah, I suppose in he way, got away with it. Yeah, even though he. I I yeah. I mean, you know. Do I remember? Do I remember correctly that somewhere up in the in the vicinity where he might have had landed, didn't, did they not find some money on the, on the ground? That they did find that? some money. Yeah, they found some like mm. a bundle of money, but not all of it or anything. Yeah. And uh, they didn't so, find anything else there. So, having, you know, who knows? Check, check, well, you know, nobody knows. Let's put it that way. Uh, and yeah. certainly, uh, he would have every uh, reason to stay. Stay hidden, but having trekked through some of the forests up there in the Pacific Northwest, in no way in hell would I want to parachute into them. That that is a recipe to get skewered, and particularly at night and die right then and there in the trees. So that's yeah. just me, but I'm I'm afraid of everything. So yeah, well I think uh, I I'm of the I believe that. See, but I always read like different theories on who DB Cooper was, and the, and all the theories like are people who land, you know, safely landed and then went on to live their lives and shit. So, um, you know, I, he is it's very theory. hard. <laughs> I don't know. I I don't think I, I don't think someone, a researcher whose theory is that he died, is going to get very far. <laughs> no, you know what I'm no, saying? It's like that's that's the least I'll exciting never be on the version. Circuit. I'll never be a, a lecturer, you know, on the circuit because, nah, he's dead. Next question. You know, that's the whole talk. Yeah. Oh, man. All right. Well, we've reached the two-hour mark. I got one more question for you, but we'll save it for uh, after or when we go off the air so it gives some incentive for people to tune into the, uh, to the, um, you know, the MP3 and shit. So are you still blogging? Yeah, I do a little bit, yes. All right. Where can people find that? In fact, I just had uh, some stuff on uh, Avi Loeb, uh, some of the, some questions about what he had. And I, I wrote briefly about my friend's uh, encounter experience, uh, sort of. I didn't give a lot of detail because he he's still processing this. But, yeah, that's um, – the blog's name is Synthetic Genetic 
Shakespeare's, but you can find it through my Twitter, which is um, Ziggy dude. Ziggy. Your Twitter is like, uh, yeah. Well, people can find it through the link. It's really you. You missed your calling to, in the world of marketing, Tyler, because this is like the most difficult, difficult to convey name. Uh, okay, so it, folks, there, it's it's and it, yeah, it's Siggy. Siggy Siziggy, and and you spell that S I G G Y S Y Z Y G Y. That's a that's an astronomical term, and if, if you okay. look at the, the information for the Twitter account, you'll see something funny. Uh, but it's basically when things like the moon and the Earth line up. That's a Siziggy. So you can anyway, you can All you right. can check that out. Well, I, I, I want to thank the people in the chat, uh, Copley and uh, Sarah. Um, hopefully the show wasn't – I don't know. I, I, I wanted a little change of pace. I, want, I wanted to talk to you about the pandemic and everything, but there wasn't much more left to, <laughs> left yeah, to yeah. say, I think. You're not playing right anymore, Tim. We could go for days. <laughs> Days, I'm telling you, we could we could ana- analyze the sequences. Uh, we could talk about the sewage stuff. It, it, it's just absolutely fascinating. Uh, waste water, yeah, waste water. Yeah, it's amazing. Everything about this virus. Uh, it, I mean, it, it. You said I, I was right, but man, so many things that I thought were wrong as well. And I think that's a general thing. That, that's part of the frustration that people have is that the CDC said this and they said that. And and it's it's a learning curve, you know. We always say yeah. that science self-corrects. Here it is doing it in real time, because we're trying to make assumptions, we're trying to make extrapolations, and they don't always work. And boy, when lives are in the balance, there's just nothing worse. That's that's where we are. That's where we are. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens with the pandemic. We'll see what happens in Ukraine. I hope people didn't. Uh, you know, I hope people enjoyed the show. I wanted to kind of get into current events and shit a little bit. I knew if we were going to be I, – I, honestly, it's like all anyone can talk about is this Ukraine thing right now. So it's like, who the fuck? Yeah, yeah. You know. Uh, it's pretty shocking. It really is. I mean, it, it's it's important and it's awful. Uh, it's one of those things that you, you almost can't look away. Or you can't believe it's really happening, but there it is. And, yeah, it yeah, it's. Don't know. Yeah, it's really weird. You know, it's really. You feel really bad. I do, at least. I think most people do. Uh, you feel really bad for those Ukrainians. It's like they they weren't doing anything. Yeah. Like what the fuck? They're just they're just you know. And I can. I mean, I'm cheering them on. You know, as I was laughing about on the show, we're still we're still recording. So, um, just a heads up. But yeah, I, as I was laughing about, it's like I don't. I may not. I may not. Uh, I haven't changed my avatar on on, on on profile picture on Twitter to like the Ukrainian flag or whatever, but it's like clearly I, you know, obviously I stand with these folks and I'm cheering them on. I'm and I'm, I'm impressed by their their medal, and you know, it, I see them, and you can hear. I mean, it's this is very I don't know, uh, xenocentric, I guess you could say maybe if I just invented a word, but it's like you you can hear uh, what. Oh, something akin to like the American spirit and these people, 
where they're like, "Hey, fuck you! You're not coming into our country. We're gonna, we're, we're gonna, we're gonna shoot you and shit." And you're seeing like people who live in Kiev just go to the somehow the, the government's just handing out AK-47s, and they're like, "Here, take this. Go home. Learn how to use it." There was a guy on Twitter who's they interviewed him. He's like, "Yeah, I just got this from the government. I got to go home and go on YouTube and find out how to use it." <laughs> it was like, "Holy uh, shit!" It was like yeah. it is it, a certain. There's a really admirable – it's like if something happened in America, that's almost exactly how it would <laughs> – that's how you know how it would unfold. <laughs> They'd be like, everybody yeah. get guns because they're coming right now. Everybody fucking go down to the local post office. We'll give you a fucking – an AR-15, and we'll show you a 15-minute video on how to use it, and then go home and wait for the Russians to show up. It's like that's pretty much how it would happen here, so – yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think I saw somewhere a guy was 80 years old who was trying to volunteer for the yeah. military. So uh, I, I don't know. I'd, I'd like to think that would be me, but I don't. I don't think I have the courage that that guy does. So, Let's hope we don't have to find out because you you did yeah. uh, you were in the service. So thank you for your service. <laughs> we may need you again, Tyler. Yeah. So. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay, hey, I'm ready. I'm good at that. There you go. That's the attitude. We we what yeah. branch were you in? Navy. Oh, we'll see. Maybe we can get you on the. Uh, maybe we can get you on the Nimitz. You can see some UFOs. No, no I hate you. <laughs> no, thank oh, you. Oh man. Nope. 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 Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens, man. It's always good talking to you. I said to the folks in the chat, I hope it wasn't too much current events, but. I don't know. That's kind of what I wanted to do. I, uh, when you and I sit down and talk, this is kind of what happens. We get into we get into all this stuff like two buddies at the bar. So you know, I I, uh, I always enjoy talking to you, man. And this uh, conversation lived up to my expectations earlier in the day that we were going to have a lot of laughs and uh, you know and a lot of insightful uh, points and stuff. And I would get the chance to rant like a lunatic. So <laughs> so it all worked out. So all oh. of the goals. Yes, we hit except for one, except for one last point. Bunt cakes, baby. Have you been? Have you partaken in any uh, any any bunt cakes lately? I got a no. I got a dozen no, last weekend. Oh. oh, I got a dozen. I got a dozen for real. I took a picture. I I I was gonna post it. Uh, I was gonna post it on Twitter to to tag you on it actually, but. I never got around to it, but yes, I got myself a dozen buntinis, and I will say, uh, this is gonna, this is, this might be the most controversial thing I've said on the whole show, but I think uh, I got lemon, I got chocolate, uh, white chocolate raspberry, I got marble, and I got confetti, and I did not get the flavor, the seasonal flavor of the month or whatever flavor of the season. Because it was Snickerdoodle, and I don't quite really know what Snickerdoodle is. So, uh, yeah. uh, what, what is Snickerdoodle? Do you have any idea? Well, I think it, it's a, like a cinnamon sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, okay, like a cinnamon, yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah, like it's a cinnamon good. sugar cookie. Yeah. That was yeah, the impression so I it. got, but yeah. Yeah. You but I certainly it. have no... Uh, affinity or familiarity with Snickerdoodle, and it was like I don't want to, I don't want to go there because what if I get three buntinis I don't like? 
<laughs> oh God, God forbid. Oh. Yeah, I was I was hoping that Buntini's would become the sponsor of Banal of America, and that I would have a, a an end to free Buntini's for the remainder of my days. But <laughs> hope dashed. Well, I'm trying to see what the next seasonal flavor is, but they keep it pretty, uh, you know. They keep it pretty hush-hush, but, sure. you know, I, I'm hoping, I think the next one rolls out next week, so I may have to do another run to the bunt place. We'll oh, see. Boy. Yeah, I would, I would have loved to, I would have loved to have gotten the sponsorship from them, but, you know, we're too controversial. We're too, yeah, we know yeah. too much about, we, we know too much about flying saucers, and well, so I they think, can't, yeah, they can't too much help us. East Coast Elite. You know, if they got a chance, uh, <laughs> yeah. they have to field it. Everybody. Yeah, you would think that. You would think that. Uh, yeah, you would. You would think that um, I would. Uh, I would have have some kind of sway with the bunt people, but you know they're Vegas based, so who oh. knows? Yeah. Well, how about that? Yeah. I believe so. I think uh, they're Vegas based. Yeah, but they're everywhere. Yeah. That's the surprise. They make a good gift too. So if anyone from <laughs> if anyone from Nothing But Cakes is listening, although this is a funny story. So I, you remember Steve Ray? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Who who uh, who correctly we laughed at him, but who correctly alerted us to the fact that COVID could be spread via farts. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He did. Those were the glory days, man. We should go. <laughs> <laughs> If people didn't, if people, if, if people are listening tonight for the first time and you enjoy the interplay between Tyler and I, please go back and listen to the ten episode Corona Cast uh, because it was, it started out as a, a very serious, uh, a very serious look at this unfolding disaster, and by the end of the show, by the end of the series, it had turned into uh, conversations about sex workers and and <laughs> and farts. Spreading COVID and bunt cakes, so it was it was a magical it was a magical time of of well, us slowly know, going insane. It kind of was because would we have thought of that without Steve calling in? I doubt it. I doubt it. So here's you know here's the perspective. Here's the kind of like the the uh, intangible quality of these sorts of shows on Blog Talk, and it, it really played out there. Yeah, for sure. So, so you're an artist. I'm kind of an artist. Well, I was not to be. This sounds uh, this sounds pretentious or whatever, but I do think that those shows were some of the most important shows I might have done because at least we educated people on this crisis as it was starting. You know what I mean? And I think that's I think that's important. Um, and tried to assuage some fears as this pandemic had first started. So, you know, but it is, uh, yeah. it's in the past now. And uh, there will be no, there'll be no Ukraine cast folks uh, that I know of. Uh, That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we, although people got a taste of it cause we, we started out talking about the, talking about the serious issues surrounding it. And then, it broke down into a conversation about Kiev and Kiev, so that's uh, that's pretty par for the course. That's what, but that's what we yeah, do. Yeah, butt cakes, 
Bunt cakes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, I just on that don't want to be the guy. Yeah. Want to be the guy that writes the show notes, you know? I am the guy that writes the show. <laughs> Guys wouldn't want to be you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the head bottle washer and chef cook or whatever, chief cook or whatever, or however that goes. But <laughs> yep. I run it all. It's all handmade here. It's artisanal podcasting, folks. <laughs> I sit it's there true. and edit the shit right on my computer and, you know. But, yeah, so it's it's always good talking to you, man. And I, uh, it's going to take a while. But now every time, now that I'm talking to you, I will... I should really get serious about this because we we've talked you and I have talked cuz I don't <laughs> I don't believe by this time next year that we'll be even there'll be even I believe there'll be even less to talk about with the pandemic. So I we've we you and I have talked in the past about doing banal origins which would be uh when I get uh, if I do one of those 23 and me's because you you're yeah. a scientist so you could be able to look at it and be like, "Oh, here it says uh you know, or whatever you could you could analyze my my analysis, my DNA analysis. So, you know, we that takes time to plan. So now that I think about it, I should uh, I should do one of those twenty three and me's, and then set aside the results, and then we'll do a we'll do a uh, we'll do a banal origins special. Yeah, yeah. Hang on, when they have a special, you know, they they always have like a Christmas special price kind of thing. So you could get 23andMe and then Ancestry and then compare them. That would be interesting. I bet they're not the same. They use different yeah. algorithms, first of all. So that that would be kind of interesting to see how, how they uh, agree or disagree or what the, what the extent of that is. Yeah, so that's a that's an idea. You know what? I bet you they would be wicked cheap or on sale is uh, Mother's Day, Father's Day. Oh, yeah, good call. I think that might be. I think that might be a time of year they'd be on sale. Yeah. Anyway, all right, man. Well, I love you, brother. It's always good talking to you. Uh, Be safe out there. Um, You know, Arizona. It's a pretty crazy place, right? (laughs) Still, I suppose, still, right? And uh, but but it's better than the nine inches of snow I got today. So I'll take I'll I'll take that. but yeah, I love you, man. Be safe. Have a good uh, have a good springtime. I'll see you in the in the Twitterverse. And uh, yeah, thanks for everything you've done for the program, man. I really appreciate it. You're part of the family here on All America for sure. Uh, it's always been fun, Tim. Thanks for having me on. All right, man. Have a good one. You too. Good night. All right, folks. There you go. That was Dr. Tyler Coke John. Talking pandemic, talking Ukraine, talking UFOs, talking bunt cakes, just as advertised, right? <laughs> um, love, I love talking to Tyler. He's the man. And, uh, you know, my main concern, although the people in the chat said it was cool, I just hope we didn't do too much, too much current events. But that's just, you know, like I said, everyone's talking about this. Everyone's talking about this Ukraine thing. So I figured uh, I'd be able to opine about it a little bit on the show. And uh, and then we'll move on. We won't. We won't. Uh, we will not be becoming the Ukraine cast. So you don't have to worry about that because next week uh, we got. As I said when I was introducing Tyler, we get pretty. We're pretty well booked here uh, for the next few weeks. And so on that note, next Friday night 
another episode that I'm really looking forward to. As I said, before we launched the winter weirdness, um, you know, I could I could interview all kinds of people, but it's like I really just want to talk to people that I really want to talk to. Um, and so if I don't feel like if I don't feel like talking to anybody, which happens, then then there's no there's no podcasting. Um, but when I sat down to the winter weirdness, I sort of made a list of like, all right, who are the people I really want to talk to here? Uh, who would be fun to talk to and have on Banal of America. And uh next week's show is is another of those of those uh entries on the list. Because it's two people. It's gonna be a double guest episode. Uh and uh, actually ironically it just kind of throw back to twenty twenty, um which is when Tyler and I did that uh series. Um in that the summer of 2020, I got really, really into uh, the Mad Scientist podcast hosted by uh, Chris Cogswell, Dr. Chris Cogswell, and Marie Mayhew. And if you are unfamiliar with this show, it's fantastic. It's uh, I don't really listen to a lot of podcasts, but uh, I had uh, Chris on the show and and listened to some of the shows to sort of get ready and then really liked them and listened to more of them afterwards and kind of became a fan. Um and it's just a great show, and they sort of do these deep dives into a lot of various uh, various topics, various stories, um, various, I suppose you could say, uh, fields of science, genres, and stuff like that. Um, they did a, a and we'll, we'll be talking about this next week on the show, uh, they did a masterful, like, five-and-a-half-hour-long uh like over the course of like four episodes, um, deep, deep, deep dive into uh, Unabomber from like from beginning to end, from his childhood. You know, like the first episode is like ninety minutes of them just sort of recounting his childhood. It was outstanding, outstanding stuff. Um, it was absolutely riveting, and they they've done one for Bob Bigelow. They've done sort of like. Uh, this I don't have it in front of me. This noteworthy, um, this noteworthy archaeologist who pretty much discovered I think King Tut's tomb, and and the, they dig into all these stories and really tell the tell the stories with all these great details. And they have fantastic uh, interplay, uh, great chemistry, just a really really good show. So uh, yeah, they're going to be on but all of America next week to talk about. Various uh, stuff, various things they've covered on Mad Scientist Podcast. So that'll be a lot of fun. That's Chris Cogswell and Marie Mayhew, uh, Dr. Chris Cogswell and Marie Mayhew from the Mad Scientist Podcast. That'll be, uh, yeah, next Friday the 4th at 9 p.m. Eastern Time here, uh, wherever you find the Banal of America show. And, uh, yeah, so (coughs) with all that said... I guess we'll wrap it up for tonight. Thanks to uh, all the folks who listened in the chat. Thanks to all the folks who listened live. And uh, thanks to the people listening uh, later on on the MP3. I got you last time, didn't I? I got you, I got you that Zillia Egger episode less than, less than 24 hours, maybe even less than 12 hours uh, since, it, since it went off the air last week. I, I rolled that thing out on Saturday at, like, noon. So... Knock on wood here tonight, Friday at 11:15 at night. Let's see if we can do it again uh, tomorrow morning. That would be awesome if I could if I could roll you uh, roll you off that MP3 as fast as possible. Cause, uh...
uh, I really hate when it drags on and on and on. Anyway, yeah. So on that note, <laughs> thank you to everyone for listening. This is Tim and all signing off.